It's the Where's Jesus podcast. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Is it going? We're rolling. Okay. All right. Set doll. <laughs> ben George. <laughs> Where's Jesus? This is it. This is it. Yep. We're doing a we're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast. We're starting to talk. We're out here in the open air at your little farm, your little homestead farm, mm-hmm. at an undisclosed, uh, undisclosed location. Yes. Probably shouldn't say for uh, on account of your fans. Yep. Which you have a lot of, and I know, um, yeah, we just don't want them crowding around you. No. <laughs> <laughs> we do not. Oh. All right, so how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good. So this is potentially episode one. This could be episode one. Of Where's Jesus. Of Where's Jesus. It could be a flop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be horrible audio. But it sounds good here. From from our point of view, our perspective, it sounds pretty good. Yeah. So I was thinking, Ben, you should tell us a little bit about what we're doing here, why we're having this conversation. Why do you have a podcast now called Where's Jesus? That's a great question. So, yeah, this is something that's been in my mind for a number of months, and... Um, yeah, I just couldn't get rid of it. I tried for a while because I thought, well, everybody wants to be a podcaster, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I just thought about it for a long time and then I realized, like, I got to give it a shot. But my thought was, I want to connect with people and I want to find out where are they interacting with God day to day? Like, what are we seeing happen? You know, at, first of all, I, I, I wanted to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to connect with friends. I wanted to hopefully produce something that's entertaining. And have a good time. You know, a little bit of BS, a little bit of stories or this or that. But then I was hoping, you know, along the way we could find out, you know, what's God doing in our lives? Where have we seen it happen? And specifically more in the day-to-day type of stuff or in, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of what you get out there from Christians talking about stuff is people that have something going on professionally with it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I murder a lot of audiobooks and I do a lot of podcasts because I have a job making ice cream that's kind of mindless mm-hmm. and I can just do something with my hands and I do really well if I have something entertaining, but not too heavy. Yeah. So when I'm, you know, when I'm working, I don't get into business books because it's too heady. Yeah. I don't get into spiritual stuff that's going to make me feel a lot of guilt or obligation or self-help type spirituality. I don't really do it because I'm already physically exerting myself. I think a lot of people are in that situation in life too, where they're doing a job, they're on a road trip or they're driving to work or something and they don't want to like really get into something deep all the time. They yeah. just want to be entertained and have fun. So I have really felt this gap of like, all right, where's the fun that has that God element in it too, where you're connecting, you're feeling it. And you're like, wow, that, you know, that's encouraging to me. Like, I'm, I, can, I can connect with that. So I've been, I've been trying to find it. haven't been able to find it. Yeah. And if it's out there, someone let me know. Uh, you know, and if message it's not, or, you know, whatever. This could be it. Yeah. Or if it is, you know, there's no, uh, no limit on content. You know, so there's always need for something more. So that's kind of been my thought is, man, I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see what people have going on in their lives. I want to. Uh, connect with them and, and hear, you know, um, what does it look like when it's not two people who are professionals, just regular people, you know, we're not making money. Um, 
doing this. There's no, um, there's no call. There's no book at the end. You know, there's no altar call. There's no come to the church. You know, these types of things yeah. tend to influence the message um, as it should. You know, it's what you're doing. Yeah. Especially if you're doing it professionally, you, you know, just like anybody, got to pay the bills. So yeah. that's a thought. Um, that's why we're here. Okay. Why are you, why'd you come, Seth? What do you, what do you have? In mind? Well, I came just because we're friends and <laughs> we like each other yeah. and we like to have fun and mess around. And I think talking about this is really good and helping people. I think having fun will help people if we do go deep or talk deeper, whoever you talk to that you ask questions to about this, I think it's going to be really helpful. So yeah, I'm I, in. I agree. And we got our kids playing inside my house together. Yep, having a good time. They're um, inside, we're outside. Yeah, we're outdoors, so there's going to be some uh, ambient noise, I would imagine. The cow. We just brought her home, actually, from... She was in a field on a 1,000 acres with some bulls. We're trying to get her pregnant. And so she's been surrounded by four bulls, and one of them's a Wagyu. We're hoping the Wagyu got oh, the dang. job done. So she, we brought her back today, and she's now back on two acres, and she's been mooing a lot. I think she's missing her friends, so we'll see, hopefully. But she might be the Gosh, there's noise. so many good jokes here. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got the one cow, you got four bulls out there, uh-huh. and she's been there for, for how long? Two months. Two months out there with them bulls. Mm-hmm. Cows, so I, when, I was in, um, when I was in high school, I used to breed dogs. Okay. And what, so what I, kind? I had Australian Shepherds. Yes. Yeah. Whoa. And it was fun, man. Um, it was fun. You know, you get the puppies, and they're, they all have different stages, and they, they look like uh, little rats at first, and then their uh-huh. eyes start to open, and they run around. And Australian Shepherds, they have a ton of energy anyway, yes. so our dogs were like that. And then the pups that they threw, they, they just threw the, the pair that we had. They threw beautiful pups, so people would always come, and they'd, they'd want them right away. Wow. But um, when dogs have that, you know, that time, that right time, and well, I think it comes, is it, man, it's been so long, but I think it's like twice a year. Yeah. For the dogs. Six months or so. Yeah. And so cows, are they doing, are they doing the same thing? Or? They okay. go into heat and then maybe She's got gets, like a two month or two week probably heat out there. Yeah, probably something okay. like that. Okay. And how do you know if, you, if the Wagyu got, got them? Well, you know, you, I don't know. You're going to see, you're going to slice into a, a calf and see that marbling? Yeah, probably in two can years. You do, uh, can you take like, because I'm a farmer from a farm, you know, mm-hmm. you can take a soil sample. Oh, you can put a little probe down in yep. to the earth, and it has just—it's like a pipe, like a metal pipe. Uh huh. And then you take soil from the bottom, and then you can take a look at it. Yeah, I don't know if you can do that with a cow. You don't know where you, you were going. I don't know if you drill into them. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> take a little bit out. You probably can't. T- uh, check the marble. I bet they can check. Maybe once it's born, check the DNA. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe when it's yeah. Maybe even before it's born. I've I've had to do that. I had to do that in Nicaragua. I had to check the DNA of a child. Wow. What do you mean? Check the DNA of a child. My own child. Oh yeah. Yeah, to make sure it was my child. <laughs> you did? Yeah, full on. You were just double checking on your wife? Nope. Oh. Wasn't that it we had we did a home birth and that there in Nicaragua they don't recognize that. Mm-hmm. If there there's no doubt that I heard that. That's the cow. She's mad. She wants that Wagyu bull back. She wants her Wagyu bull back. <laughs> <laughs> they don't recognize a home birth because there's no doctor there and they save no doctors oh. there. Then we don't really know what happened. And 
So you have to go get a DNA test to prove that that kid is yours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First they were saying, we don't even know if this kid's yours. And then, so we showed them pictures and, oh, you know, those of, those of y'all that have seen, seen and nice kids, like we, we have a pretty decent brand. Yeah. And you, they, especially when they're little, you do like you've seen good. one and you've seen a couple <laughs> of them you're, and you see another, yeah. you're like, oh, I definitely know where that came from. Uh-huh. So we just brought family pictures and we're like, look, they look exactly like these little, yeah. you know, um, these little rodents and yeah. And that wasn't enough. And so then, um, and we were frustrated cause we we're just trying to get a birth certificate, which yeah. legally you can't actually, there's like an international law saying that you cannot withhold a certificate of birth from a child. Wow. And, um, they were doing that. They were doing that. And also we didn't want to get the vaccines that they were offering there. And we were doing that back at home. Yeah. And um, there were certain things about it that we weren't comfortable with. And we're like, let's get them home. And so we said no to that. People didn't like it. Yeah. And so then I, it was a frustrating process. And I took a video. We had a video of the birth. And so I actually took a video in. Look, here. Yeah. And it was a lady, thankfully. And she was like, "Um, we don't know whose child this is. I'm like, oh, look, here it is. And I just full on like, here's the child. And she was like, oh, wow. And then she goes, Okay, so now I know you're the mom, but I don't know if you're the dad. And uh, I was like, "Oh, and the only so we're playing toy. we're playing yeah. that game." And so we had to go to we had to go to the capital city had to do a blood test, and it came back ninety nine point nine 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 percent positive. This was my child, which they never give you a hundred. Yeah, you can't you can't get a hundred, which is weird. Uh, it's just it, I think it's just like a like a nod to science. In a way, it's like we cannot be. Hundred percent, yeah. But we are as close as we can possibly get to that. So that's why I've done that. Okay. But um, you know, why don't you talk about what you got going on here? You know, you got the little the family, yeah, situation. You got the animals. We got the little family situation. You guys got a lifestyle, yeah. Is what you're doing out here. We do. Yeah. We got one cow that when so normally we're milking her. We get about three gallons a day. We have raw milk. Lauren makes butter, Lauren makes yogurt, Lauren makes cheese. I made her a cheese press for Christmas. That was her gift. So we like raw dairy yeah, straight from the source. The kids make their own. They have their little chocolate milk recipe. August will drink a half a gallon of chocolate milk a day, no problem. With sugar? Do do you let them have sugar? Oh, that maple syrup. Okay. Uh And then we got a, a horse that is right over there. He's roaming around. He's a draft horse, so Lauren at some point wants to farm with him where he mm. can, like, pull stuff. And then we have chickens. We do chickens for eggs and chickens for meat. So we just slaughtered, harvested 20 chickens the other day. Mm-hmm. So we got a full freezer full of them. Um, the other chickens are out there. They lay eggs, and the kids collect them. We collect them and have eggs. Um, then we got three dogs, two cats, and now a bunny. Our little guy wanted a bunny, so for his Christmas present, he got a rabbit. Your bunny's not that little. No, it's a Flemish giant, so he will yeah. be three feet long about. Dang, I think I've seen the video of those online. Yeah, they're large. Uh-huh, and you typically got, you got like a, like a British lady mm-hmm. out there in her garden. Typically, mm-hmm. they're in a garden, and yep. it's a big, fluffy, fluffy-eared type of thing. Yeah. And she's talking about a rabbit and holding them. Yep. And it looks like a dog. It does. That's what ours is. Gonna, yeah. Ours is bigger than some dogs already. And yeah. he's, he's only half grown. 
Yeah, we got a couple of rabbits at our house. They're indoor rabbits, and they're they said they're a miniature. Our kids sold them to us on being miniature. Yeah, and they put up their hands as to the size. Yeah, and they were seeing, you know, like a like a grapefruit. It looked like these are not grapefruit sized animals. They keep growing. Yeah, they're like a small one. Okay, small watermelon now. Mm. But we got them from a friend. Um, they're indoor rabbits. But your I think your rabbit looks like it ate one or two of mine. Yeah. He's big. That's a nice fluffy rabbit. Nice so the dream is to do the the farming, plowing, walk behind the... Mm, yeah, maybe. Or a piece of equipment. Yeah. 1920s. Yeah, she loves it. You're not doing the 1700s version? Mm, probably not. A little maybe. piece of equipment would be good. Yeah. A couple of nice rubber tires on it. Okay. Not just metal wheels. Uh-huh. And something mechanical that turns up the earth type of thing. Probably, yeah. We'll see. Okay. Lauren's not the biggest fan of tilling either, so... I don't know like what for, she, as a practice in farming. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think she will. Um, I don't know what she'll do. Maybe just hay rides for kids or something on the okay. back of the horse. I don't know. All right, we'll see where it goes. Yep. But she's the farmer, huh? She is. Okay. I help some, but it's her her deal. Yeah, she likes it. She likes the land. She likes she, to be home, huh? Yeah. At some point, we want much more land so we can do. We'd like to do our own cattle. I'd like to be able to hunt it and fish it mm-hmm. and just take the boys out and go bring home a deer or something. Yeah. Oh, there she is. I mean, you can go hunt that now. I know. I don't know if it's time. It Season, I think, is ending right about now or just did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I meant for hunting. Yeah. You, don't, you don't want to hunt her now. No. Yeah, she might be, get, she might be productive. Yeah, for y'all. Her. We're keeping her. Good. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing it. We're doing it. And I know y'all do, uh, Lauren does a little bit of that, a little bit of classes and stuff for that, like a homesteading. She's out there, she's out there evangelizing people about the lifestyle. She totally is. I she's mean, living she, that dream. She's not pushing it as much on social media right now, but mm-hmm. because she's doing her business with like the tooth powder uh-huh. and the floss and all that stuff. And so she is not pushing it as much, but she does workshops and she does stuff where people come and learn and. Yeah. People who want a homestead. Do you find a lot of people want a homestead or people think they want a homestead? Think. It's very, Instagram has romanticized it quite a lot. And so it looks, you know, looking through the lens of a camera, it looks really awesome all the time. Right. Unless you have honest people. A lot of the people that Lauren follows and works with and is friends with are really honest about it all. Yeah. You know, like this is not easy. This is hard work but we've had friends that are like yeah i bought a bunch of land and we're gonna do this and then they get out there and they're like oh this that's not us we didn't know it was what it is like, yeah it's I a know. lot of work it's a lot of work like we never stop we have stuff you know i got all these logs here i have to finish chopping up and mm-hmm. you know the branch breaks and comes down like oh you gotta figure that out and, oh, the cow needs milked every single day. Oh, you want to go on a trip? Who's going to milk the cow? Right. How many days do you need them to milk her? Do they know how to do it properly? And they got to keep all the other animals alive at the same time? It's yeah. Just, it's a lot. A lot of people want to go down to the grocery store and just grab that milk bottle. It's yeah. so tempting. It is. It's so cold and it's it's white mm-hmm. and it looks so pure, mm-hmm. you know? But most of the time. It's not. The yeah, Ross, there's the raw. So our kids, so here's fun. A fun right. story. Our kids are so used to raw milk from the cow like last night that they went to their grandparents' house in Tennessee and were staying and she bought like the best milk she could get at the grocery store. 
as expensive as she could find, as good as she could get, organic, <laughs> grass-fed, all of it. And I think it was everything but raw. I mean, the kids took one drink, and they're like, we're not, we're not drinking this. They don't have time for they're that. They're milk snobs. So they don't, yeah, they don't have time for pasteurized. Yeah, their stomachs took one little sip of that, and they mm-hmm. were like, we're not processing that. No. Because something happens to milk when you pasteurize it, mm-hmm. which I'm not against pasteurization because I'm a... I'm an yeah. ice cream man. You're an ice cream man. So you got to pasteurize just to bond, you know, butterfat molecules to sugar. Yep. And balance your water. That's like, that's the game I'm into. That is the game. So I'm not anti-pasteurization. I'm not anti-homogenization. Yep. But when you pasteurize milk, correct me if I'm wrong, it changes something about about it, right? Now, yeah. milk has a lot of proteins in it. And proteins, when you cook them, they change shape. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like when you fry up an egg. And it's it goes, than, yeah, yeah, it's permanently altered. Yeah. When it goes from that white to, or, the, or that clear to white, yeah. that means that protein is irreversibly transformed. Exactly. And it changes the makeup of it at a molecular level, I believe. I think so. And so when you do pasteurize milk, it changes it. And my understanding, um, just a, lay, a layman milk drinker, mm-hmm. is that if you have uh, problems with dairy, but you drink raw milk. You're usually fine. Normally fine. This yep. lady, so not this house, the next house down, mm-hmm. she has been lactose intolerant her whole entire life, like he- like violently intolerant, like can't drink anything or is throwing up everywhere. Yeah. And Lauren and her talked, because we were going to put one of our cows, when we had more than one, we were going to put one um, over on her property. She got more land. And so we were just talking to her, and Lauren said, well, here, you, why don't you try our milk and see. Yeah. And the lady comes back like the next day and like, I pretty much drank that whole half a gallon that you gave me. Mm-hmm. And have no problem. I'm totally fine. Yeah. And so the other thing too with cows now is so our cow that we have is called a two, a two. It's the old genetics, it's old genes. And so now they have a one cows that or a one, a two or a one, a one and something like that. And the, so the older, Genetics, the A2A2 is mm-hmm. the closest to, I don't know, it's the old, it's the oldest genetics of cow we have. Like so, an heirloom seed cow? Like an heirloom seed cow. So if you, if you were to drink even raw milk that was from an A1, it may not be as um, digestible for you as okay. A2A2. So it's the most digestible, okay. easier processed milk. So y'all are geeking out on this. Lauren's geeking Lauren's out. Geeking I'm out. learning. You've learned a little. I'm a, yeah, I'm. You've been around it. It I've just gets in you. It. Yeah. Yeah, but she knows what she's doing. She she's knows. got that A2A2. She got the A2K. All right. So we got that. And you, y'all are still taking milk? Or are you waiting because of the. No, we're waiting. We're buying raw milk right now from some friends. Because there's a process. Mm-hmm. You. Uh, yeah, you want to get her set up the right she's way. She's totally dried up once she gets pregnant and has the baby. The milk flows again. There you go. And then you can keep, you'll keep milking her after that. Mm-hmm. You know, steal from that child. We're gonna steal from the child. We'll let the child have some, mm-hmm. but then we'll take just enough. Yeah, you let the cow go, the calf go, like a week or two, and have all the milk. They get all the colostrum. Yep. You can take that if you want as well. Last I don't time, know if I'd want it. Yeah, a lot of people really like it. Oh gosh! Because it's is that the like most that sounds like a fetish. Dense. I don't know. That's a little borderline for me. You want to get that colostrum? <laughs> yeah, get the. Colostrum. Yeah, I don't know about that. Take it from the calf. Yeah. No, we have some. If you want to try it, we got some colostrum in there from last time. Actual colostrum. Yeah. How old is that? Is it you froze it? It's been frozen for okay a year. So it's raw frozen. Raw frozen. 
Is that a thing? Like a raw shrimp that's... Fr- I think a raw shrimp and a frozen it's shrimp are different fresh. things. fresh. Definitely not fresh. It's, so it's raw milk frozen. It's raw milk frozen. Okay, so you can but definitely have a raw shrimp milk. frozen. You can have a okay, raw no, shrimp. Okay, no, I'm tracking. Yeah, you can have a raw shrimp. Yeah, because a cooked one... You can't have a fresh shrimp straight out the ocean, thrown into the pan. Cooked, okay. Or eaten. I don't think you would want to eat a raw shrimp. You still want to cook it. Yeah, I wouldn't eat that. Um, well, you know, in, a, in the right context, I mean, I'll eat it as sushi. Yeah. When someone who knows what they're doing has prepared it. Yeah. I'll get that raw shrimp. But I think the shrimp are, I don't know. Do they cook the shrimp every time? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, if you do it like a tempura and they put it in a roll and they call it sushi. Yeah. Um, but it's not sushi. That's definitely not. Yeah, that's sushi for Americans. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's what we're doing. Good, man. Most of it. Some of it. It's a different sort of lifestyle. Yeah. And it's a commitment. You guys are away from the city. You got to be out here. You, you got to love it. We I mean, do. you got to have that interrupting you and you're just into it. Mm-hmm. That's good. We do like it. We enjoy it. I mean, for the most part. Sometimes it's hard. Yeah. But you get in a routine. And- yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. That, that's the thing. I think I think people, especially over the, the year uh, 2020, people got this thing in their minds. I'm going to go get some land and I'm going to work the land, you know, and growing up as a farmer in California, like we knew what that meant. Yeah. We'd work the land and you know what it means every day. You know, the commitment, you know, the sweat, you know, the process to it, the business side of it um, as well. You're dependent upon what's happening in the weather all the time. You can have a good year or a bad year at any moment based off of weather. Yes. That's crazy. That's really crazy. And and so we knew, so I would meet people like a guy from LA or whatever, be like, I want to come work the work the fields, you know, with with y'all for a summer and and I would just tell them, No, you don't. You don't have any idea You think what you you're do. Into. <laughs> you yeah. don't. And I think a lot of people these days too, they're they're getting they're getting that in their mind, like, I want this, I wanna I wanna get some land. And then when you find out what you're really up for, like yeah. y'all have this property locked in pretty good but there's still a list of things that need to get done all the time every constantly non-stop and people get into that and they realize like oh shoot so here where we are in texas too especially starting in 2020 all this land like just regular old land just started skyrocketing the price people started moving out it was right here it was 125,000 an acre for just a piece of land Wow! No, no house, no nothing. Yeah, that one hundred twenty-five right thousand. You can see it when there's when the sun's up. You can see that piece of land went for two fifty, and it's two acres right there. And it's just sitting there. Is anything happening? There. They're gonna build something on it. Is it still at that price out here? I, I wouldn't think, imagine. It I think is. it went down some. Yeah, yeah, but it's still kind of. That seems high. like hyperinflated to me. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is gonna go up in value over time because here you're between Bastrop and Austin. Yeah, Austin's growing east. And Tesla is right there. Mm-hmm. Boring. Elon Musk brought Boring right over the The Boring Company side. is right here, too? Mm-hmm. Good Lord. And who knows what's going to happen with Twitter. It might show up as well. Oh, yeah, I do Twitter. SpaceX has some land here as well. I'm not 100% certain on that, but I think he's got some property for them <laughs> okay. as well in the area. So all of that's going to mean jobs, yeah, development, apartments. People are looking to live somewhere. Yeah. So you got yourself a good little spot. Mm-hmm. But the pro- you you expect the price of stuff to go up over a certain amount of time. And I think in 2020, things just shot up quick. Yeah, especially here. Yeah. People are leaving New York and California and mm-hmm. coming here. Yeah, we'd, we've had a lot of those immigrants coming through, huh? Mm-hmm. 
And um, I guess you and I are as guilty as anyone is of that. We are. Yeah. I showed up right before COVID, so I can say that. Okay, good. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, I came during, um, moved from Nicaragua during. Yeah. And um, God, that was a trip. Coming back to the U.S. from with five kids, <laughs> with five kids, but not. I mean, the kid. We we travel well. We we live adventurous lives, and we can put up with a lot of just stress. Yeah. So it wasn't really the kids as much, and the kids' children will follow you if you're at peace. They'll be at peace. Yeah. And and we found that kids transition quicker than adults. For sure. You move a kid, and you got them set up the right way. You're there for them emotionally and all that. And a lot of times, depending on the kid, but they can be fine in two weeks. Yeah. Whereas when we first moved to Nicaragua, we were like months until yeah. we were good. We yeah. were stable. Yeah. But they don't got to think about like, how are you going um, to pay rent and all that? Yeah. That doesn't even cross their mind. No. It's a good life. That's good what life we noticed too with ours is, you know, moving. We moved a couple of times and they they handled it pretty well. We would have to be ready for, you know, if it's six months later and all of a sudden, boom. I miss my friends. Like, okay, yeah, we're ready for that. But yeah, that's just gonna hit them, and they don't know it's gonna hit them. But you know, yeah, you're ready for it. Yeah, it's gonna hit them, and one day they're gonna be either crying or screaming at someone they don't yes. know why. Yeah, they're like, hey, are you sad? You're not feeling sad, are you? Yeah. But when we moved back here, 2020, we moved back here July 2020, and Texas was a great place to to move back to during COVID. A lot of people would say, but for my perspective 100 percent, it's good yeah. but even even coming back from nicaragua to here during covid i, I did not recognize my country <laughs> i was yeah. trying to figure out like what happened can you imagine if to these gone people to another state besides texas i know it would i don't want to imagine that worse. Yeah. you really want to no. recognize anything yeah and we did and when we purposely moved here we felt really at home here and um a couple of years before we had done this united states world tour well, we just went everywhere. And I believe we came and saw you guys mm -hmm, you on that tour. Yeah, We did the whole U.S. four-month road trip. And this was the one spot that felt like, man, this could be home. Yeah. Austin's a great city. Austin's a big city, and there's a lot going on. Yep. You can find whatever you're looking for. And you guys built yourself a little ice cream container trailer. I did. Built that. Now built that you're, I think you're Austin's ice cream man. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think it's. I think um, I am one of them. Yeah. But but yeah, Austin's uh, Austin's ice I cream think man. You're take that. Dominate. I think okay. You're gonna take over. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's that. And, and if it, you come to Austin, you need to go. To you got to try that. You got to try it. So I know we're not supposed to like pitch stuff and sell stuff or anything like that. But oh yeah, yeah. Because I said that. Yeah. Ice don't cream, be. You got to get the ice. Cream. Yeah. You can sell. You can sell yeah, stuff. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, but um, you guys do make very good ice. Well, thank you. I mean, now you're. I know you're the one messing with the molecular structure and the homogenization, there you pasteurization, go. yeah, and getting the fats connected to the proteins and all that yeah, stuff. But to. Sheena's making the recipes. She's coming up with it. No, She's Sheena. Doctor. See, and I'm, and I'm like you. I'm that all that vernacular I pitched. Um, I learned from her. Mm -hmm. She's the she's the chef. She's so I'm a chef, chef now because I, a company needed me to be a chef, and so I'm this I'm I'm the chef in terms of I'm in there making it all. Uh -huh. um, though she makes quite a bit, but um, she's the she's the sh the chef that's really guiding the company where we're going, yeah. what we know about ice cream, how we make what we make, 
you know, all the curtains. Why you do it the way you do it. Why yeah. we do it that way, the flavor combos. Because you make it every day. Every day we're making it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so she's the real genius behind it. I'm just a guy that, that uh, can get anything done that What's needs to be done. What's that flavor we had the other day with the blue? The blue one with the stuff in it. The cookie. The cookie. Oh, yeah. Cookie um, Monster? Something? No, that was called Cookie Something. I forget. It's a, That was a special one we did for Christmas. Mm-hmm. It had a couple different cookies in it, right? Yep. It had the blonde Oreos. Yeah, the blonde Oreos. And it was a vanilla ice cream, and then it had a, a lot of blue sprinkles in it. That was good. And then it had... Oh, they I'd had uh, sugar cookies with blue frosting. Mm-hmm. Did you like that one? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I like them all. You like them all? Yeah. That one wasn't my favorite. It was good, but... It's good. My favorite is my jam. My jam is... milk. Is my jam. Soaking the pretzels. Yeah. Pretzel ice cream and homemade strawberry jam. Yes. That yes, one I Jesus. just made a... Where's Jesus? He's oh, in the ice right cream shop. Just, he's in, he's the, in that my jam. That one I just made up today. I made up a whole bucket of that, and we've been throwing it in pints and selling it. We're about to release something, um, not this week, but next week, that's going to have the pretzel ice cream. We're not even talking about it. Okay. And um, So don't talk about it. No, no, I'm, ta- I'm talking about it. Okay. Yeah. It's pretzel uh, ice cream, and then it's going to have a peanut butter, I think a ribbon of peanut butter in it or something okay. like that. Then it might have some, like, many, many peanut butter. Cups? Cups, yeah. Okay. And some chocolate. Peanut it's gonna be- butter pretzel chocolate mm-hmm. glory. Yeah, that's going to be it. Yeah, we're doing it with, uh, there's, a, there's a comedian we've gotten to know who's been a big fan of our ice cream, and he comes out, and... Um, you need we, Joe Rogan to come out. Yeah, Rogan. Joe Rogan or J.P. Sears come out. J.P. Sears. They both live here. <laughs> oh, J.P. is here? here? He lives here. They need That's to come funny. have ice cream at Basement. Yeah. We'll send him over. I know. Why don't you text him? Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, but we're doing it with this comic guy, and he and he's been a big fan of ours. He's always promoting it on, online and stuff. And and he got up on uh, this podcast called Kill Tony. Do you, what, do you listen to Kill Tony? Mm-mm. So, Kill Tony is the, like, in my opinion, like, the, the best comedy podcast. I love it. I listen to it all the time. And it is, um, it is sketchy, man. So, but, which I don't really care. Yeah. Like, I think, I think things are, think things are funny. Like, mm-hmm. like, for me, I, I'm, I'm get I get myself in trouble because, because I don't really think of, like, this is good or that's bad anymore. Mm-hmm. I do. But it's like not on my radar. So if someone's telling some joke about something, and people around me are like, "Oh my god," I'm just like, <laughs> "You just laugh." Yeah, I'm sorry. Just like I just don't think of sex as bad at all. And so anything having to do with that, that's just like first of all, probably a good time. Secondly, oh, that's funny. <laughs> and if someone has a different worldview than me, and they're doing that differently, they're handling that aspect of their life differently. Yeah, it's still funny. Like, I don't care, like, what they're out there doing. They're making a joke about it, and I'm like, that's hysterical. So there's a lot of, if you go listen to it. But he got up on that podcast, and they they let people just kind of come up for a minute and do a minute of comedy, and which I'm going to try and get up there someday. But um, he went up, and then he started, he, he was super funny. Is it here in Austin? It's here in Austin, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's filmed live, live uh, every week, okay. and then they put it out, and... It's super interesting because there's a host and then there's different characters on the show. But when you go to the show, when you pay to go to the show, you can put your name in a hat. And if they pull your name out, you, you go up go instantly up. and you get one minute of un- uninterrupted comedy. Wow. So a lot of people get discovered that way. 
lot of famous comics have gone and discovered that way, like wow. names that we would know. And uh, so it's kind of a fun show because you also get people that just suck. Yeah. <laughs> They're so bad. They shouldn't have put their name in shouldn't the Shouldn't have put their name, didn't prepare at all. Yeah. And Tony Hinchcliffe, who runs it, he'll just rip them. He just right reams there. them so hard. So here's where you need to listen to that. When you're, okay, so this is this is my moment for that. When you're at work or maybe you're driving, maybe you're on that road trip, maybe you had to drive for work and you're coming home, but it's late or whatever, and you just don't care. You just want to make it through that work day. You want to make it through that drive. Um, you need to play Kill Tony. Yeah, play Kill Tony. You want to not die on the road out there. Yeah. You want Stay your awake. mind to be engaged and to be shocked. You know, you're just like, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is funny. So this comic, uh, Mike Eaton, is his name. He got up on the show and was amazing at it. And then he started talking about our ice cream and promoting it. In his one minute? No. So oh. they do one minute. And, and then... good? Yeah, he always happens to mention ice cream in his comedy because he's okay. a big ice cream eater. He's a big guy, too. Okay. So that's kind of a part of his thing. He yeah. talks about how much he eats and part of his jokes and all that. And then Tony will interview people after, and that interview can go like 10 or 15 minutes. So he was talking about our ice cream, and he was talking about it so much that Tony Hinchcliffe was like, what, is this ice cream company sponsoring you or something? And then when he said that, it kind of clicked in my mind. I'm like, well, we should be. So we yeah. wrote him the other day, and we're like, hey, do you want to be your first sponsor? So he's like, absolutely, I do. So we can't, we got so together. So he gets free ice cream or what? Yeah, I gave him a, I gave him a gift card, uh-huh. which is essentially unlimited. Yeah, and we'll just restock it, and and so then we promote him. He promotes us, and we might do some partners with like different shows that he does and comedy type stuff. And but he's doing that that flavor I told you about, the super secret flavor that no one should talk about mm-hmm. ever until ten days from now. Yeah, uh, that is his idea. We're like, let's make you a pint, and then we'll do a drop sale on this pint. And you'll come out to the trailer. Yeah. So he's going to come out on uh, January 20th. Wow. And people also are going to have the opportunity to make him laugh. And if they can make him laugh, they get free ice cream. Have you promoted that part already? No. Because we're only going to promote it. like a few days beforehand. Yeah, People don't need to know. It'll be, they'll get tired of it. But if they, if they come out, they get a free ice cream. And um, if they suck, then they have to pay. Yep. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> you can't make it. I'm hoping that not that many people are funny. I'm kind of banking on people aren't that funny. Yeah. Because we got a lot of funny people. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to suffer. Cream. Yeah, yep. I'll be just, just giving it out. That's all right. Giving it out to the people. But Give I mean, them a cheers. taste and they'll be back for more the next Yeah, day. cheers to all the funny people too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they worked hard for that. Yeah. And if they're really funny, maybe they could get a sponsorship. Yeah. Why am I not sponsored is my question. I mean, they got to prove themselves. Well, why am I not sponsored? Why are you? Yeah. All right, say something funny. No, I don't need to say something funny. I'm here. I'm here on the podcast already. Okay, you want a sponsorship? Yeah. I believe you have a gift card. I have a gift card. Oh, okay. I've used a bunch of it every time I go to you. Oh, okay. You're not there. All I right. I show up and I'm saying, hey, where's Ben? He's not here. All right. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I mean, let's get it re- restocked. Do I get a hat and a shirt and stuff that I get to wear around? You know, what we're about to get is sweatshirts. Okay. Good. Yeah. Like a hoodie. Uh, they're not gonna have a hood. They're gonna what? be us. Um, it'd be just like a like a hoodless hoodie. Yeah. And no hand pockets. Perfect. So I think that's just called a sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. So Seth Dahl, let's hear a little bit about you. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of people know who you are. You know, a lot of people don't out there still. There's still a few people that don't. And I'm surprised every Probably time I name drop because I, I name drop you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and sometimes um, you get nothing. 
They got no idea. Yeah, every once in a while. So tell us, tell us um, a little bit about who you are. Um, you know what you're doing right now, that sort of thing. Your background, and just to, just touch on it. Just give us a little snapshot. Okay. Well, we, you and I met because we both worked at a church in Northern California. Yeah. Called Bethel Church. Mm-hmm. Pretty big place. Pretty influential. You did missions. Right. So you sent people all over the planet, and we, I did children's ministry. Lauren worked there a little bit too for a couple of years, but that's where we met. So I was there 11 years and ran children's ministry for a bunch of that. I was on the staff for 10 years. And then, um, so I've always worked with kids. Before that, I was four years in New York City. So we did um, Sunday school in the projects of the, of the ghetto. So Brooklyn, Queens. Bronx, Harlem, Manhattan, we were all around. Anywhere there was a project, we had teams there. Yeah. And we would do Sunday school. So I worked with kids 15 years straight in ministry and then um, just started to realize, like, oh, I need to help families. I want to help families. Mm. And started moving more that direction, getting into the home, kind of started realizing, like, oh, I've got to go around the world to all these different cultures and train children's pastors and help children's pastors. And I felt like the Lord said to me, Seth, you've helped a lot of children's pastors, but missed the most important ones, mm. parents. And so started moving more towards family and parents and all that. So that's what I've been doing the last few years. Uh, just doing, yeah, family ministry, COVID hit. It's all, you know, went everything online for a long time. And yeah, so try to figure that world out a little bit as well but yeah so i do that um we have another thing here we when COVID hit even before COVID hit we were kind of talking to churches like hey you guys should do social media a little bit better you know bethel we were really good at social media right so started a company called jesus on every screen and we do social media for ministries and churches and um like here in austin we have an expression not an expression we have a, a wing of the business called Jesus Loves Austin. So it kind of just features pastors here. Yeah. And so it's designed to just reach the lost with the message of the pastors in town. And we do a little bit of advertising, nothing major, just enough to go for people to discover, oh, that that church is right down the street from me. I should go check it out. That's cool. And so a little bit of like marketing for churches, but Mm -hmm. more just trying to spread the gospel in cities where pastors have signed up and become clients and that's cool yeah and that's going that's going good for you it's working it is that's awesome it's working it's it's really i mean we have a lot of clients now that aren't in austin Mm -hmm. we like the more we can have clients in a city the easier it is to kind of hit the algorithms and so we that's kind of our goal is to make it really easy for people to find jesus when they search a city so we do a lot of stuff like if you click um hashtag keep austin weird yeah or hashtag south by southwest or hashtag austin city limits or hashtag east austin or visit austin or eat austin eatery whatever like all the food all the stuff that austin's pretty known for if you get any of those we we tag those in all of our stuff as well a lot of our stuff so that way um you know, people who aren't necessarily looking for Jesus might discover that he's looking for them. They so might find where he is. They might find where he is, you know? Dang, that sounds awesome. Where is he? He's on yeah. the screen. He's yeah. on the screen, and he's showing up. 
Cool, man. Yeah. So you're still in it. You're still in that church world quite quite a bit. A little bit. Yeah. I don't work at a church uh-huh. right now. I do work with churches and help churches, but I'm not on staff at a church. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And do you do you prefer that or? Yeah. I mean, I like. I love the church, and at the same time, I feel like what I'm what I'm here to do is not just do one church. But more like, yeah, helping a lot of churches. So I do a lot of that stuff. I do stuff like that with children's pastors. I mean, one of the things we're doing right now is like we're, we have a curriculum from a children's pastor where we just wrote, helped another team in Detroit write some stuff. So we're now moving into also helping churches that want to write their own curriculum and then publishing it alongside them and then helping them get it out to a bigger audience. So... Turning that, like, so I'm kind of, like, launching soon a publishing company called Spirit-Led Kids Publishing that will be, yeah, for f- people that I'm in relationship with or have our DNA and want to put material out and need help, they can hire us to help them create it. And then if it's our DNA, we publish it and sell it for them as well. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I help. I work with churches. I don't yeah. work at a church. Yeah. And I do like it. It's a lot, it's a lot better for me. I mean, I, I, you know. Churches have a, it's a lot. Working at a church is a lot. You yeah. know, you've been there. So yeah, like, did that for a number of years. When I help churches, I get to really help them, but I, I don't have to be in the day-to-day stuff. You know, I can come from an outside perspective, look in and go, here's what's going on. Here's how I can help you. Here's what you need to adjust. Here's yeah. what you can change. and Or here's the relation. Here's the friend that I have that can come in and help you yeah. even more than I can or help you in this area. And so I can, con- you know, I can connect churches to the right people to help That's them cool. kind of grow in the areas they need and stuff like that. So it's, not, I love it. I do. I really love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like the, maybe like the difference between being a, a parent and a grandparent, you know, when you're a grandparent, yeah. you go hang out with the kid, have fun, help them out. Yeah. You know, if they fall down, you pick them up. Yeah. You know, no discipline, no yeah. correction. Yeah, just ice well, cream. you need maybe some. Yeah, a little you know, bit. Get some in there. A good grandparent, I think, is gonna. Yeah, when, gonna make when sure necessary. kid knows. Yeah, you're not. You know, some boundaries you just don't cross. Yeah, you'll you'll hear it, but then you give them back to their parents and they go home. Uh-huh. So you're not a, exactly. You're not living it twenty four seven. You it. get to jump in and help out a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you you have quite the story too. I, I believe of um, you know when you were in New York and you're. The history of what you've seen God do. Yeah. There was a lot going on, I think, with you before you got to Bethel, too. That, yeah. Um, yeah, where God was just kind of always moving and kind of bringing you along, too, yeah. in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, in New York, I mean, when I got saved, I was on drugs. So I was on acid, meth, ecstasy, mushrooms, weed. Did you like it? Cigarettes. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. What was your favorite? What were you into? Ecstasy. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Um, well, now, I, the language I would use now is I think ecstasy is an artificial encounter with the kingdom. That you, mm. you know, the, the relationships you can form on ecstasy are are unhealthy versions of the relationship you can form under the presence of the Holy Spirit in an encounter with God. You know, like you could, me and you could have an encounter with the Lord yeah. and instantly our hearts connect, our our souls uh, get stitched together, get get bonded together. And yeah. we, you know, you become a brother to somebody or a father to somebody or a, uh, 
a deep friend, like our friend Nolan, who you'll probably have on here at some point as well. Like yeah. he and I became friends just whacked by God yeah. on the floor. And it's like, oh, and th- but by then I had language like, oh, I've had this before. It was just on ecstasy where it opens you up to, I mean, for one, I think what it does is it kind of releases a whole bunch of serotonin into your head all at the same time. And you are like, your senses are enhanced. You are filled with joy. Yeah. And your heart opens to the level where, you know, I may have met you half an hour ago, but I feel like I've known you my entire life and I deeply, deeply love you. And it's genuine. It's really genuine in the moment. So you, you met Nolan in, in Reading Mm -hmm. and you're saying you guys were whacked. Mm -hmm. You guys were messed up. Mm -hmm. Um, you were experiencing God experiencing God and it was, this was like a tangible thing that oh, happened to you guys very much so and um, why don't you just tell it, us it happened to him first let's just uh, yeah let's dive into that and then what's very interesting to me is the drug connection there yeah you're saying I had ex- I had felt this before yeah but okay so get into it so Nolan yeah, something ex- happened with Nolan first so Nolan um, you know his story he'll be able to tell it if you bring him on here yeah. better but he had you know, when he was a young child, he had experienced God at levels of that, those deep levels where, like, the Lord will overcome you over just, you know, you're drunk, you're whacked, you're filled, you're completely overwhelmed by God with yeah. love and joy. And so he had that as a kid and lost it oh. through a series of events in his life, just kind of, like, lost that, thought it was God, left him, you know. And, you know, we're in school and all of a sudden, boom, he's... He's back. And Nolan's like, he's back. I got it. And he's He's just, saying God's back. God's back. What, what what happened? What was it? He's uh, he's just, Nolan's rolling on the ground laughing yeah. and shaking and yelling and uh, just really fun yelling. He's his, just so overcome. He's overcome. Like with, really overcome. It's like you plugged him into a, like, 220, but m- even more. And just like a joyous 220? Like a joyous 220. Like a pulsing, wowsy just, kind of a 220? Yeah, a more okay. than that probably. Okay. Like full-on hours of just he can't function, but he's Damn. functioning better than ever before yes. all at the same time. So that happened. And Those I was are like, the days, and you're you're watching that happen. I'm watching that going, I, want, okay. I really want this. You wanted it. And then, you know, wow. then this guy, George Banoff, comes, who is an just one of the most joyful amazing people i've ever met in my yeah, life yeah he is i'd never met him at this point but he comes and he's speaking and while he's speaking i'm like sorry i'm looking around at all these people who are having experiences with god like this uh-huh. and nolan is and other people are and i'm looking at this guy going whatever this is i want it like i want mm. to be overcome by god i want to be overwhelmed by god and looking back i'd had it but never to to this level into this like condensed version so i don't know if that even makes sense like like focused condensed oh yeah all at once it's like the pure pure (laughs) undiluted yeah, it's straight. like the 100 proof, or the, I guess 200 would be totally undiluted. Yeah. Straight in the veins. Well, God, just, you can take it. Yeah. Alcohol. No. You don't want 200. No. You want 100. Yeah. And that's it. So 200 proof. 200 God, proof. And I'm watching God. him, 
And all of a sudden, I, I, I go, I'm like, I got to open my Bible and read this verse. So I open it up. I think it's Psalm 119, 111. It says, your testimonies I have taken as my inheritance forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I read okay. the verse. I shut the Bible, put it down. And Georgian goes, if you want God to do something for you, look at what he's doing for someone else and enjoy it in your heart. And I'm like, oh, he just said the same verse. He yeah. just said, if I want the testimonies, if I want his testimonies to be my inheritance, I need to rejoice in them. I need to rejoice for they are the rejoicing in my heart. And he goes, if you want one of these, if you want an encounter with God like other people are having, just enjoy it in your heart. And I looked at this girl who's like shaking her hands all yeah. crazy. And I just looked at her, and I felt like a click in my mind and my heart, like like there was two snaps, and my head and heart connected. And mm -hmm. I looked at her, enjoyed what was happening, and all of a sudden, I feel my head catch on fire mm. on the top of my head, and then it's like running down my head as if there's like a oil on my head that's burning, and then it starts dripping off my head. And you're not on ecstasy on, at this point. No, nothing. It's totally, I'm totally sober. <laughs> and it's dripping onto my chest and yeah. shoulders, and it's start, starting to burn everything. And I start elbowing my neighbor, Andy. I'm like, Andy, can you feel that? And I'm just like ramming him with Gosh. my elbow. And he's like, what, what? And the guy next to him, Scott, is looking at uh, looking at me like, I feel it. And no. I'm looking at him like, yeah, you do. And Andy's in the middle like, what is this? What? And I just, I mean, my body just caught on fire. I felt so much joy that I couldn't handle it anymore. Then George and Banoff saw me mm. and starts throwing these fireballs at oh, me. Oh, God. And <laughs> at some point I was like, that's it. And I jumped over the chair in front of me, and I ran over, and I tackled him right How on the stage. How do you throw? You tackled Georgian? Yeah. Right, you ran up there and I tackled, tackled him. him. Were you the first one to tackle him? Yeah. Because that's kind of a rite of passage. It is, and that was never the same. Be the first yeah. guy to tackle Georgian. Mm -hmm. Many have thought of it. This is when you were in the school in first year? Yeah, I don't know if it's allowed anymore. Yeah, they, things have changed. Yeah, I'm, I tackled. I full-on tackled him. Yeah, it's I want to go camera. there and just tackle him still. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's not so good, good for at people. It's good for people. Sometimes I think a lot of people miss what God is trying to do because they're not willing to tackle a person. 100%. They're not willing to get out of their chair and just go. 100%. You know, it's like Jesus was really frustrated with the disciples when yeah. they wouldn't let the kids interrupt his sermon. Yeah. The kids are trying to interrupt the sermon. Yeah. In one in one of the gospels, Jesus is preaching on divorce. So it's kind of an important message, you know. Yeah. He's got the crowd there and the kids are sneaking up trying to get to him. Do you suppose the, that during that time there was some people that were married that needed to hear that probably probably someone was concerned about Few. making sure they got that message yeah and the kid that children were trying to interrupt that interrupt the sermon that, what did the they disciples. want people to get divorced did they want parents to do did they want to have two sets of families I, I think potentially i think potentially the children didn't know what they were doing they were just doing their parents said go up to him so he can bless you but i do think <laughs> what what jesus may have been frustrated about is you know what I think maybe you guys need to see what I think about your kids. Mm. And maybe you need to see what I think about children. And maybe you need to see what kind of a father I would be if I had kids and what kind of a leader I would be. And you need to see that I value family at this level, that I'll put the sermon aside to show you what, what I value in kids and what I think about kids and what I'm willing to do for kids and how important they are to me. And maybe they'll become that important to you as well. Not so much the message, but the family and the kids and Maybe you'll put your attention in a different place. So I think potentially that's part of why he was so frustrated. And, you know, well, yeah. I maybe think he loved those kids. May, yeah. He's and like, why? Absolutely. Let them come to me, I think he's, he said, right? Yeah. 
let the little children come. He interrupted the people who were interrupting the kids. Yes. He's interrupting the interrupters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like that cow over there. He is. He's interrupting cow. Yeah, if we could find a way to interrupt the cow. If, you know, if you gave me a minute to be funny, I could do knock, knock, who's there interrupting cow. Well. You know. Oh, and then you perfect. move. It's perfect. And then you no. move. It's and fitting right now. she would move. You think you could time that, though? You want to try it? Yeah. Who's knock, there? Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. Who? Yeah. Ivy, where are you, girl? You're uh, you're she, not in sync with your animals it. here. I know. You got you got you got to get to the next level there. She's back. She just got back, so I need to. Go oh, she's off. Her, she's off her sorts. She's off her sorts. Yeah, I maybe mean, your connection to her. Is I a need little, to go reconnect. It's waned. I went out there and talked. Remember to when you the first today. time you saw Avatar and they did that connection thing with the animals? Uh-huh. Did you see Avatar, mm-hmm. like connect the braid of their hair to like the tail yeah. of the animal or something. Mm-hmm. And you were like, God, please stop doing that with animals. Can we not watch that? And it was kind of cool at the same time. Yeah. I just cringed on the inside. Let's okay. see that and I'd be like, let's not. Let's not do that. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it, guys. Oh, God. All right. So, yeah, Georgian. Yeah. So then, then I was drunk for you months dr- after that. And so Nolan and I would just lay on the ground. Now talk about that with drunk. drunk what was, you, were, what, you, you know. Well, that's what the. That's, you're drinking a lot. That's typically what the Bible. You know, that's some of the language they use in the Bible. They would say, hey, you know, when Acts, uh, when the Holy Spirit fell on the upper room, they're like, we are not drunk as you suppose, which means when the Holy Spirit fell, people thought they were drunk. Like, yeah. No, just, well, hey, we're not drunk like you think we are. Yeah. It doesn't mean we're not drunk. We're just not drunk on earthly wine. We're drunk on the new wine. And so that's that's some language for it. I, you know, in all of that, though, I would say ecstasy probably is the closest. You know, I, I actually have had encounters with God where I'm like, that's totally like acid. Like, I just went on a full-on trip. Dang. I just had a trip. I can see similar to when I'm on acid, but I have have no acid. I have had experiences where I'm like, this is totally rolling on ecstasy, except there's no side effects. There's no um, aftermath of this other than good. There's good side effects, not bad side effects. Um, I've had encounters with God that feel like I'm high on weed. and then, But the language the Bible uses would be, we're not drunk like you suppose. Yeah. Now, We're even the word ecstasy, way. though, like Peter Peter fell into a trance. The word trance in the Bible in the Greek language is ecstasis, where right. we would get our, you know, and that's very similar to what happens. Like, whoa, you fell into a different realm and saw stuff and heard stuff, and it changed your life. You yeah. Know, transformed. And so I think, yeah, that's, I was drunk. I was really drunk for three months straight. Just too. overcome by God. Overcome by God. And me and Nolan would just lay in, in, like, we would learn, take our classes on the floor. Yeah, that's the best way to take a class. Rolling on the ground. Yeah. Snuggling, holding each other, laughing. And people came in, like, I'll never forget, Chad Denman came in to our group, and we are laying on the ground, and, and we look at each other like, if he calls us David and Jonathan, we're going to lose it. And he yeah. walks in and goes, you guys are like David and Jonathan. And then we just lost, lost it, it completely. We just lost it. We lost it. Mm, those were good days. Those were very good days. Those were good days. The best days. Yeah. There's a motorcycle. That's a Harley, brother. That is. Yeah, there was a time. So I've, I, um, 
gosh, so much to say, but there was a time when I would get, I would be like afraid to go to church. Mm-hmm. This is after, so after I went to Bethel, um, yeah, I just started when I first went up there, I had a similar experience to you where I just needed to get in the presence of God. I just needed to be overcome and just drunk in the presence. And so that happened for me a lot. And then there was a time after I kind of stopped going to church up there where I would, I think I would like come back and visit and I would be like literally scared to go to church, like the fear of God. Yeah. Because God would like do stuff in my body. And have you ever, um, have you ever had God do something for you that was for you? And it was very personal. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're just like on the floor and you're just like waves of like liquid love are washing over you. In fact, like exactly what people talk about with ecstasy um, uh, or uh, heroin. Mm -hmm. Heroin's like the love drug. They're like, I've never felt so loved. Like I feel so much love. Like those experiences, not drugs, but with God. Yeah. And you know, like, this experience is for you, and you're on the ground, and you're just, like, soaking it up. And if anyone notices, and they come, and they lay down next to you, or they get near it, they're going to get in it. Yeah. Or maybe at a certain point, you stand up, or you start going to find people, and you start releasing what that what just happened to you. Yeah. But it's a very personal thing for you. Yeah. Then there's other times when God comes on your body, and he's there for someone else. Yeah. And he is there for possibly everyone else in the room. Yeah. And that started happening to me at inopportune moments. Yeah, it was super inconvenient and Mm -hmm. not good for you to be interrupting the sermon. Exactly that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, and it was moments where, have you ever had the fear of God come on you? Okay, here's here's a good example of it. When I, um, I had this moment, long story, but I had this moment where um, my faith was kind of shook for certain reasons. And I was still a believer and stuff, but I was living my life. And the Holy Spirit said something to me that, that haunted me and has stayed with me. And um, he just like kind of whispered it in the back of my head. And it was kind of a creepy voice, but loving, but kind, but scary. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was like, hey, Ben. I was like, yeah. And he's like, hey, if you don't do what I put you on earth to do, I don't know if I know you. And I was like, fuck, like, that is scary. <laughs> God was just like, I don't know if in the end, if I really know who you are. And I was scared to death in a good way. You know, that was like, I better get that straight. And, um, and it was just God calling me out, which is good. But it was, these are moments like this where I go to church and the, the anointing would come on me. And it, I, it was like, the Holy Spirit's like, are you really going to worry that that nobody wants you to do what I'm telling you to do right now? That no one no one values you? That you're not this person that's supposed to be leading this service? Um, you know, someone else is teaching and that people are going to be annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> All these different things. And it was actually scary for me to go to church sometimes because, the, like, the anointing would come. And, and I think we, we, you know, there's a word, there's a term for it. People call it, like, the breaker anointing yeah. where you're, like, going to break something open. Yeah. And the reason I bring it up, there's, so there's this one time when I was in 
in a class and it was a, the first year class there up there at Bethel and I wasn't in the class I just happened to be there because Georgian was speaking and I was there and the breaker anointing comes on my body and it's before the moment where people get uh, before the moment where people start to get crazy yeah and in those days even it was more tame it had already become kind of more tame mm-hmm. and you know if, if you got a little too crazy if you tackled Georgian and things things that Georgian wanted yeah. But not everybody wanted them in, in the environment anymore. Yeah, cameras were rolling too. Yep, and um, which means they're like filming the service and stuff, and it just starts coming on me, and I can feel it. And I, the way I describe it is like a velociraptor comes <laughs> into me and starts to like want to get out. <laughs> but that's like a god, you yeah. know, like a god version of that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people they're gonna they hear stuff like that and they're gonna get all scared and like think about possession. I'm like, bro. Yeah. You're gonna be possessed by Almighty God. Like yeah. it's gonna affect your your gonna, legs at yeah, times. It's not the two twenty. It's gonna more. make your uh-huh. your arms are gonna turn into a little bit of a little bit of a baby arms, <laughs> like the T Rex arms or whatever. That can happen to a good person without when you know without even a a sinful thought. You know, without yeah. even a sin happening. Yeah. <laughs> so it starts happening to me, and I just start like going after. You know, just start it's coming out and, and my whole co- side of the room is starting to notice. And some people are like, what the heck? And other people are like, what's going on? And it's just like busting out. And I was like resisting a little bit. And this guy comes up, you probably know his name's Chris Kildos. You probably uh-huh. know Chris. Uh-huh. He comes to me and, and he like whispers in my ear. He's like, Ben, you got to let it out the breaker. And when he's on your life right now, and I'm like, all right. So I just like ran into the crowd and just jumped and nobody is being weird. Yeah. You know, even Georgian's, preaching yeah. tamely yeah. in his little Georgian voice, which he did a great impression, impersonation of, by the way. Good. And I just jump into the audience, just jump into the crowd and just land on people over like three sets of chairs and people just are starting to get whacked. And so there's a couple, couple moments like that, um, that it was just like, God, if you, if I go to church tonight. You might have me misbehave. Yes, I might have to misbehave. I might get in trouble. And it's a weird thing because you don't want to disrupt. You don't want to offend people. Um, but you just naturally are that way. And then, and especially on those moments where God's like, hey, are you going to do this? Or are you going to just like try and be cool and play it off? Yeah. It can be scary. But it's so much fun. It is. So much fun. So much fun. But, but yeah, there were lots of good times. I remember the first time... Um, I remember when I was first getting into it, into the presence of God. Totally new experience for me. And I was hungry for God. I wanted it to happen. But I didn't have a grid for it at all. (laughs) No no grid for, like, God is going to fill your body and what that might do to your body. Yeah. And um, first time it happened to me in a certain sort of way uh, where it was, like, felt like so much God in my belly— it um, it, it it was like it was shocking. <laughs> like this is this is so much bodily pleasure, <laughs> and I was fifteen at the time. Whoa. And body pleasure, when you grow up a certain type of Christian, you, you don't always have a grid for body pleasure. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> you've been told not to. And, yeah, not to yeah. body pleasure, or you or you haven't been told much, or you don't know, or you just you know things just feel bad, and you just don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, eating's okay. Yeah. That's one we don't, you know, like you can enjoy a pizza. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. 
but there's other things that you just don't know what to do with. You don't have a grid for it. And so God came on my body, like he filled my belly so strong and it was just like full of power and just like crunching. And I was just like, like doing crunches. I don't no. know if I was doing crunches, but it just felt like there was like a, a like a powerful wiggly substance inside of me. Like Holy Spirit was now in my body, and He was like almost like trying to get out. Yeah. And so I'm kind of like moving like this, and I'm like this, and ne- I'd never seen anyone like that. Yeah. I'd never heard anyone talk about it. I didn't know it existed. And I remember thinking I can never tell anyone about this because it feels so good. And I felt like it must be bad. Like I can't actually tell someone what I actually felt because I thought it was negative. Yeah. Like almost like the only grid I had for it for that much body pleasure was sexual. Yeah. I didn't have a grid for like your body can feel this good. And, um, and so I didn't know what to do. I had no idea. I was just like a 15 year old, like homeschooled Christian just got, messed up by God <laughs> and um it was a night we were hanging out with my youth pastor and just a few of us and there were these guys around town that were like into what they called renewal and stuff and I had no idea what that was yeah but I could see that God was moving on their lives and I've been over to their apartment and they would just like worship wow but they worship different they put on music and they had this little light box thing that you plug into the wall and it rotates with lights like we're in a club yeah like a little one in their house yeah and i walk in and i'm like why does it feel so good in here and they're just like walking around just like laying on the ground just like experiencing god and i'm just a young guy and um and i'm like this feels nice like god is here and then they started to get ostracized and people from our church like started to not like them and people were warning me about them don't hang out with those guys you know yeah. don't don't be around those guys and um cuz they got a they got some bad doctrine you know yeah. they got the they got some bad Jesus over there they got the wrong kind yeah um of Jesus whatever that is and um yeah so they gave me this mixtape remember mixtapes uh-huh it was actually on a compact disc. Uh-huh. Remember a compact disc? You would put it in a compact disc player? Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that. I'm old enough to remember those. <laughs> you remember the lie that was non-skip? Yeah. and the, On your Walkman? And so you would try to make it skip, yeah. and it would skip. Oh, it would skip. And you were like, yeah. You didn't. Non-skip was a farce. It was. It was an extra $15 for nothing. Yep. But uh, we put it on a, like a little um, compact disc player, and we just listened to music. And on the third song, David Ruiz was singing, uh, Come Wash Over Me. Come wash over me. You know that song? Wash no. over me. Maybe I do. Dude, and it just washed over me. And I got messed up by God. And 45 minutes, I'm just on the ground, and I don't know if I was screaming or what, but it was just like, this is a lot of body pleasure happening to me as a young man. And um, afterwards, we went through the whole CD, the whole mixtape, mix and I was just laying on the couch, like, and it would just, like, waves of electricity would just hit me, and just boom. Huh. And, it, and I would just twitch, you know, and I felt like I needed to just scream out in tongues. And and I'd never spoken in tongues by that by that point in my life. And my youth pastor, who I didn't think he spoke in tongues, I don't think he did, but he goes, Ben, if you need to speak in tongues, just do it. Whoa. And, um, but I was still had a lot of, lot of, like, different mindsets in my mind that was holding me back. So I felt like there was this, there's this verse in the Bible that talks about like, don't speak in tongues unless someone's going to interpret. Yeah. So something like that. 
And so I didn't speak in tongues because I was afraid that it would have been wrong. And how do you know if someone's going to interpret? And if they're not, then whoops. Yeah, and also, and also, like, I don't think that, I don't think that the Bible is like laying out a bunch of rules about how to do God right. Mm-hmm. I think Paul was in that moment probably talking about like people that are really like disrupting the church service, like maybe I would later in life. Mm-hmm. Just like standing up and just screaming in tongues. Actually, in fact, have you ever met someone like that? Oh, yeah. Have you been in a church service? Someone just stands up, screams in tongues? Well, there's that. That's what I was going to say earlier. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit's on you. This is what God is trying to do. God is trying to interrupt the service. And mm-hmm. you're just, there's a difference between that and you're just trying to get attention on yourself. Oh, for sure. And so I think that's what a lot of people have done is, is they've interrupted services where then all of a sudden it's like, hey, uh, you don't get to tackle speakers. Hey, uh, you don't get to just interrupt the message and do whatever you want. And and so that's where potentially you get afraid because you're like, the Lord is on me. He wants mm-hmm. me to interrupt the service. And, but I also, there's also people who have done the opposite where they're over there yelling in tongues, standing up yelling in tongues. Yeah, going, yeah. Um, yep, not, not the Lord. We're... Uh, we're going to go right back to the sermon, and thanks for that. But Dude, it's so awkward when someone does that. It's so awkward. And that, I've been around that a couple of times. Yeah. And someone will have to go there and be like, hey, can you stop, please? Yeah. Like, it's God. It's God. Like, yeah. Not for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so because of that, like, one thing in my mind, uh, and it probably came from mindsets of people teaching you, like, well, if, if you ever hear someone speaking in tongues and no yeah. one's interpreting, well, then it's not, it's not God. God. Yeah. And so. If it was God, someone would have interpreted it. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, and then, and then what they always go to, I don't know how Christian, you, what kind of Christian environments you grew up, but what they'd always go with, go with for me, like is, oh, well, in that case they should be stoned. That's what it always went back to. Like if someone prophesies something and it doesn't come true, they're a false prophet, then they should be stoned. Like not literally throwing rocks at them, but getting them out. No, but no, but no, but they're saying by God's standard. Oh yeah. They're just like using certain old Testament parts to, to try and squash people. Yeah from experiencing God. So it's like the standard has to be when it comes to anything supernatural because people are so afraid of it. Yeah. The standard has to be perfection. Yeah. If you don't reach perfection, supernatural. And this is all probably people that are like Christians that are like using porn. Yeah. And they don't have that standard for themselves. Yeah. Unless somebody is is like going to have joy or Yeah, joy or, or pray for someone. Pray for someone they oh, don't, don't get don't healed you dare or pray for anybody and have it not happen instantaneously right now. <laughs> but really, they're just, one, they're afraid of the supernatural. Two, they're not seeing it happen in their life, and so they justify it to try and make sure that no one else sees it happen, too. Yeah. yeah. And and so it's just in, the insecurity and um, lack of uh, knowledge, you know? Just don't know that it's still happening out there. Yeah. God's still moving like that. Yeah. So they're trying to explain why it's not happening in their lives. So they create this doctrine around it to make sure that nobody ventures out. That's a real thing. That's how I grew up in Christianity. I yeah. grew up making sure that I didn't get too crazy. Yeah. But I got crazy anyways. Got that body pleasure. Yeah, got that body <laughs> pleasure. And then I had to get it. I had to get it more. Uh-huh. And it took me a while. Honestly, it took me a long time to get it more. And I, and it, I went through some dark times because of it because I couldn't figure it out. And, uh, and then I finally got it. But my, my dad actually, the elders of my church actually got concerned about me because I, I went up to, um, I went up to Bethel. Yeah. And those are the days, those are the glory days of Bethel when if you went to Bethel, yeah. um, 
you kind of had to forsake your parents, yeah, your church. Yeah. You had to turn your back on other things and be like, no, I'm going here. And people thought you were crazy. Yeah. People thought you went to a cult. Yep. People thought you were demonic. And they still think that. They do, though. but it's less. It's way more mainstream these days. Yeah. In those days, most everyone that was there had to pay the price to get there. Yeah. Now, people are like, we don't know what to do with your life. Go to Bethel. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. It's like college. Go to college. Um, in those days, you kind of had to forsake all, forsake all. Yeah. And my dad actually got called into the pastor's uh, elders meeting. And they were like, hey, you know, and this, I'm, I'm graduating college. Like, I'm a... I'm like a young man at this point. I'm 21. Yeah. And they call, they call my dad in and they're like, hey, so we we have heard that you might be in support of Ben going up to Bethel and we just wanted to Double find out if that's true because we're definitely concerned about that. And my dad, who at this time was hungry for God but had not, I'm the first one in my family to go have these type of experiences. Yeah. He wasn't having them. But he was open, you know, but he wasn't, um, didn't have a lot of experience with it. He wanted to know, like, what, what would happen with me and different stuff. But he just walks into the meeting and he's like, well, let me clear that up for you to make sure that we're all on the same page here. I am 100% in support of my son going to Bethel. Come on. Just so y'all know. Come on, Dad. <laughs> That's a good dad. I didn't hear that story for a few years, but yeah. um, when, I heard it, when I heard it, it made me smile. I didn't even know at that time that he was that in support of me going. I, you know, he, I, I should have gleaned it. He just never said it to me in those words. Yeah. Like, hey, Ben, just so you know, I'm 100% in support of you going and doing this. So that was Come an interesting on. story. But that's where I came from is, is like really normal, like run-of-the-mill Christianity. Yeah. You know, we, you, you know, you do something crazy. Like you go on a mission trip and then you come back. And during worship, you would close your eyes. Yeah. Wow. That was... Or you'd like slip up a hand. Yeah. You know? That's you just like you raise up a hand and worship. Fresh off the mission trip. And you just knew that everyone else there was staring at the back of your head and your hand. Yeah. Why is Ben raising a hand? Or you'd slip two hands up. Yeah. And that was like, that was like expression of faith right there. Yeah. Eyes closed, two hands up in the air. And the whole time you're worried that everybody's watching you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm now gotten so radical and this is not i mean i joke and i bs a lot but this is not a joke this is serious like this is my experience like this is what i thought was radical yeah slipping those hands up during worship you know yeah and um i just had no grid no good grid for how good god is or what's out there yeah all that so it was good it's good i like it yeah but those are those are those are good times just like getting all getting all wrecked up in God and experiencing it. When did you go to Bethel? What year? I went, I started going there. Well, I moved there in 2015. But I started, I had started going years before that. 2015? No, 2005. 2005. Yeah. Yeah, I get my decades wrong. 2005, I went there. Because you, you went up there 2006. 2006, yeah. Yeah, so I was a year before you. Um, yeah, I went up there and went to the school, but I'd i been going there since two thousand, probably two thousand one. Wow. Uh, no, 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 two thousand three. Wow. I went up there. Um, yeah, just to just to kind of experience God. I met this guy down when I was in college, just down at a bookstore, who started telling me all these things about God and wow. showed me a video of Heidi Baker. Those were in the days when she couldn't even function couldn't talk yeah. in the u.s when she was in africa she could do it 
she'd be she'd come to the U.S. and she would just like sit on the ground with the microphone and just say ho, just like scream and and uh, couldn't Sorry. talk. And I watched yeah. about an hour and a half of that, and I was like, what is going on? And where can I get it? Yeah, that's and how this, Lauren. Same thing. Oh yeah, Heidi from watching Heidi. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, I got allergic all of a sudden. No, hey, you just be you. Do you just um. Got the cow. Yeah, get out there and do the that. Sneezes. Do that sneeze. So tell me about tell me about Lauren. Yeah, watching she, Heidi Baker. She found out about Heidi Baker and Roland Baker, and then found out her kids went to Bethel, and so she was like, "Well, if they, sorry, <laughs> she's like, well, if they send their kids there, then it's gonna be okay." Yeah, I mean, she knew they were pushing the boundaries of anything she'd ever seen in her life or thought about in her life. But then she was nervous about Bethel until she found out, oh, if they, if their kids go there, I'll be okay. Yeah. Didn't mean she wasn't scared and people weren't freaking out, but. She's 06. She there 06? Yep, same thing. Same year. Yeah. And y'all met up there? Mm-hmm. Got yeah. married two Got years married. later. Shoot. No. You regret that now? Nope. <laughs> I'm really glad. I really don't. Really. Yeah, you scored on that one. I did. I yeah, mean, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I do not regret it. Yeah, I'm, your y'all's wedding was a lot of fun. We had a good, we had a good time. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of good memories there. Uh huh. Yeah, you guys helped us on the day of. Sheena did the wedding, the uh, coordinating of. She did. Mm-hmm. She did it. That was awesome. Yeah, it was a good day. We did out there on the. There was like a little farm out there, mm-hmm. huh? Kind Go, of a farm. Over ranch. Yeah. Yeah, Anderson, California. Yeah, how have how have things changed for you from these days initially, like experiencing the presence of God, to where you're at now? Like, has anything changed for you and how you interact with God? Or yeah, yeah. I'm asking that question because it's kind of a loaded question. Yeah, and for myself as well. So that's why I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, I think when I first started encountering God like that, I kind of, I didn't realize that some people just didn't like it. Mm. And I was kind of like, well, I don't know what everybody else is doing. This is the best thing ever. Like, what do you, so I just kind of saw the whole world as like, Everybody wants this. And I wasn't really, I hadn't had, because we were at Bethel, I think, when it was really happening to me so much that I was like, oh, everybody loves this. This is great. And I think over time, it was like, oh, I started to realize, like, not everybody likes this. Um, Yep, I'm misbehaving. Okay. And I started to discover, like, sometimes that's exactly what people need is someone to misbehave and kind of break their religious So in that environment, even people weren't liking it? Um, I think some people, yeah, for sure. There's always people that are, or they moved there because they said they wanted it until it started happening, and then they're all scared and don't uh, know okay. what to do. So yeah, mo- for the most part, there, I think everybody was pretty cool with it. Um, you know, I've had some of my best experiences ever in life came from there. Yeah, and so through people who were okay with it and all of that. Um, but over, I think. Yeah, right now, like, has it changed? I think somewhat, you know? I mean, I I don't work at a church, so it's not like I go to work every day and, you know, twice a week we have an hour-long worship session for staff and 
all of that. Like, I just don't have that built-in go-to-work worship and lead people all the time. So, yeah, my my life has changed with God in that mm-hmm. regard. I don't know. What do you, yeah, what do you mean more? Um. Well, we're talking about these days like they're behind us. Yeah. Like the, we, the there's like an element of the, the glory days. Yeah. And I can hear it in your voice and I can hear it in mine. Yeah. So I'm trying to flush out what that is and I've tried to okay. do that on my own too. Oh, no, I think it has to do with, I, I, no, so I literally, within the last month and a half, I was just in Idaho with a bunch of men, 50 guys, maybe not even 50, 40 some mm. guys. And I had one of the most profound, powerful encounters with God and man I've ever had in my entire life. And it's a small group of guys and people are being really vulnerable and really honest. And God moves so powerfully through me to this other guy. And yeah. It was, it, it ruined me again. I'm like, Oh, this isn't, I'm not on a stage with a microphone and half the guys there, if not more, were not okay with it. Like one guy, the guy that, I mean, it's a long story. I could tell you the whole thing. But so, I mean, this one guy, literally, this guy, I'll just tell you. This yeah. guy, we start. Break it, um, we start, break it down for we, us, Daddy. Yeah, we start the weekend. Tell us the story. And I'll just tell you it. Oh, yeah. So, first day, we're sitting there. The leaders are sitting there, and we're talking and just chatting and getting to know each other. And I never met any of these people except one or a couple. And... You know, one of the guys is like, I used to be a pastor. I quit being a pastor, and I'm not in a good spot with the Lord. I mean, he's just like, you know, basically where I'm at is, God, F you. Where are you? I hate you. You don't care. So he's like. Starts the weekend there. Starts the weekend, and he's one of the leaders. (laughs) And he's. (laughs) What are they trying to lead you into? What is this group? Well, this group is not, there's no real preaching. I mean, I was there to speak. So we did three sessions where three of us spoke. But then the rest of the time is you're in a group with four guys. And the man, there's a leader, but the other three guys are there to share their story. So they have 45 minutes. Just talk. Share your story. Yeah. So like, you know, one guy is like, oh, I was just going to BS you the whole time. And he cracks open, has a panic attack, cracks open, and starts unloading stuff he's never told anybody. He's saying, like, I was going to take this to my grave. I was just going to tell you guys a bunch of stupid crap so you'd leave me alone. And then we're ministering to him and loving on him in this place of deep vulnerability. So it's designed for men to actually share their story and be met in their story. It's almost like um, it's... What I saw happen was almost like men's little boy had permission to come out hmm. and then be loved in that place where they were never loved. So one, you know, one guy, the one guy, he's like, my, my six years old, my dad's mad because I'm late to go to my grandma's. We're going to drive to my grandma's three hours. I'm late. So he literally be, kicks the crap out of me on the back porch. He's kicking me, kicking me, screaming at me, kicking, like kicking my ribs and stuff. And he's like, then I had to get in the car and ride for three hours with my dad. And he's just miserable. And wow. So he's like, you know, he's unloading all this and we're just loving on him and talking to him. And so it's the, the whole weekend is designed for people to just get really honest and vulnerable and share their story and get ministry. However, our only job, they told us as leaders, they said, your only job is to just don't get in God's way. Mm. So that's all your job is. So, you know, I've, it was just a beautiful place to go. 
God has permission to do whatever he wants. And our job as leaders is to make sure we let him do that. And so this guy, though, first night, he's one of the leaders. So his job is not to speak or preach or anything. He's there to love guys in the middle of their journey, wherever their journey is. And he's just telling us where he's at in his journey. And he's like, where I'm at right now is F you, God. I hate you, God. Where are you, God? So he's just being honest. He's just being honest. And I said, first night, I said, you know what I think? I said, I think... I think you're finally entering into worship. And he's looking at me like, I don't know. No, you're crazy, what are you talking man. About? You I said, crazy. I said, well, the Father is seeking those who worship in spirit and truth. And I said, you've probably only worshiped in your mind and religion. And now finally you're telling the truth and you're being honest. And I said, finally, you're, uh, God has shown up at your office and the front desk, Pete, the, the customer service rep, is not at the desk and the manager came out I'm like you know god comes and he's like hey i'd like to speak to your manager and we we put on this face and we're like i can help you how may i help you i can answer your questions and he's like no no i'd like to speak to the manager and he's like the manager's not here i can help you that's how we are with god a lot and so i just told him that i said i think you've probably only had your customer service rep even when you were a pastor your customer service guy was at the front desk Dang. interacting with god and you've never actually had your manager come out he's never met your manager and he's finally meeting your manager i think god actually likes it that you're saying f you mm-hmm. he'd rather have an honest f you than a religious yeah um i love you because that's all you've ever given him and and he's like whoa okay well, the weekend goes, and he's just, he's still kind of like really struggling, not doing well. We did an ice bath. We all got, the leaders all went down to a river in Idaho and jumped in an ice bath that was so freaking cold. Mm-hmm. We locked arms and went in. And as soon as he gets in, he starts screaming, crying. And he cries for three hours in the fetal position. We get him back to his bed, and he gets in his bed and just lays there and cries. And nobody knows what's going on. He doesn't know what's going on. He's just wrecked. And he's like, something opened inside me when I went in that ice, in that river. Something opened inside me, and my pain is coming out. Stuff's coming out. Well, the end of the weekend, he's like, one of our other friends who's done a lot of ministry with him, Justin Sumble, has done a lot of, like, this guy has been through Justin's course twice. I don't know why my dog is barking. Um, He's been through his course twice, so he's like, really been impacted by Justin and Justin's encouraged him to be honest and vulnerable and like yeah. tell the truth and be, be authentic and hey hush you want to go check on him? I think he's fine I just gotta let him out in a little bit and so Justin opens up and says hey this stuff happened in my life within the last couple of years and it's really hard and, and this dude comes over and ministers to Justin, just gets down on his knees, holds Justin. Justin's crying. He's holding him. He's like, I'm so sorry that's happened. You're he just like full-on minister. This is the guy that hates God, F you, God. He's ministering to Justin. And I'm watching. I'm filming it. I just grabbed my phone. I was filming it for Justin to give it to him. Like, this is a powerful moment. Well, the guy walks up. And part of what happened with Justin was one of his spiritual best friends, spiritual brothers, um, kind of like violated almost a spiritual daughter of Justin. So I said, Justin, Uh. what that friend did was stole your, because Justin doesn't have his own kids. He got a lot of spiritual kids. He doesn't have his own kids, him and Abby. And I said, Justin, I think that guy, your friend stole um, your spiritual fatherhood and tried to make it as if you weren't a good spiritual father. And I said, 
And I just prayed over him real fast. And then I looked at the guy who had just come over and ministered to Justin and has, had just ministered to a spiritual father in his own life and was so grateful for what Justin had done for him. And I said, bro, you don't hate God anymore. I just yelled at him. I said, you don't hate God anymore. I said, you love him because Justin has shown you who God really is. And you just ministered to Justin. This is a spiritual father to you. And then he goes, and Abby's my mom. And he starts crying. And he's like, he's weeping. Like, you don't hate God. You don't hate God. You just didn't know him. You didn't know who he really was. And this guy showed you God. And now you know you don't actually hate him. And then I was like, that's it. I got to freaking jump on this guy. So I ran across the room. He's like kind of curled up crying. I just ran across the room and jumped on him. I just jumped on him and grabbed him and started yeah. kissing his head and rubbing his head. And, and he's like, he doesn't know what to do with it. He's having all kinds of stuff happen. And everyone's there like, what in the world is going on? And he's like, he's like, there's a man riding me right now and I'm okay with it. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and it was just, it was pure. It was so pure. Yeah. And so I just wrestled him for a couple minutes and then, Go back to my seat, and everybody's kind of like, what happened? What was that? Because they know the journey. They've all been there on the journey the whole weekend. And now this guy is, like, really deeply touched by the Lord. And But he was in a position to be touched by the Lord because he was finally, he was actually there. He had never shown up before. Yeah. He had never actually been in the room before, and this was the first time he'd actually stunt, been He's in always the room. a stunt double. Yeah. Someone that's learned to, like, the, he just always yeah. got the coping mechanism from him. Yeah. And so this guy gets up and goes, I need you all to take off your shoes. And he goes in the kitchen and gets this tub of water and comes back and starts washing everyone's feet, prophesying over everyone, laying hands on everyone, praying over everyone. Then this one guy starts shaking. He's shaking, and he's like, it's not bullshit. It's not bullshit. And this guy, come to find out, he was kind of like all that encountering God stuff, that joy, that fun, that encountering God, shaking, whatever. He's like, he just thought it was BS. The shaking guy um, did? Um, the shaking guy until it's happening to him and it's yeah. happening to him from the F you God guy. So, <laughs> so F, F, F you God is praying for him. He's shaking. The F you guy is God is, is praying pray, for him. Is He's shaking and saying it's not he, bullshit. It's not bullshit. But he thought it was before. He thought it was before other guys were like, oh, I've never seen anything like this. I'm like, oh, no, you needed Buckle this. Buckle up. It's so good. Buckle and up, so, buddy boy. I mean, it was like four hours. Four wow. hours this goes on. Wow. And then me and Justin grab him and wash his feet with communion. We took the, the wine and poured it on his feet and washed his feet in Dang. the blood of Jesus and washed off all the stuff that he'd been through and prayed over. It's so freaking powerful. I'm yeah. so like, so I'm fresh off this experience where it's like, oh, I don't, I don't get to, I don't see that all the time. Like when we were in school ministry, was like that's every day. That's every day. Like something crazy is going to happen. People are going to get whacked. People are going to go nuts. And there's room for it. I mean, back then, I don't know what it is now. Back then, there was a lot of room for that all the time. So yeah. it was every day. Well, then I started traveling, and so everywhere I would go, that stuff would happen. Like, that's yeah. what we're like. We want you to encounter God. That's all we're here. Like, what else are we doing? We're you get, you get a room full of people that are hungry for that. Hungry, and they came. And you're, you're just going to be that and, spark. Yeah, I'm just a spark. And so, you know, so it's been fire and gasoline. Fire and gas, and there you go. Mm -hmm. And so this was fire and a lot of gas. and it was awesome. Mm. Now we're going to do more. Like they had a call today. I couldn't be on the call, but we're going to do more of these things for men all around the country. And oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome. Dude, I need to get to one of those. It's amazing. I told Lauren about it's it. Like a, it sounds like ayahuasca without the ayahuasca. It is without it, yeah. And I'm into that. Yeah. People get into the, um, 
the drugs. It's kind of become a fad now, I think, in our country. Oh, yeah. Because people, people don't know how else to get healthy and, and healed and encounter the spirit and realm. Yeah, and people have. I think there's a lot of good fruit that comes out of it from what I hear from people. Yeah, I've heard a lot of that, too. Um, But, yeah. What were you saying you were talking to Lauren? She, uh, I was telling her about this. and We were kind of, all the men were at this event were kind of like, yeah, we, uh, it's called Wild Courage. Yeah. And we, I want you to interview him. Yeah, but we um, should do that. We, uh, we were kind of joking, talking. Hold on. <laughs> Man, you're just, you're going through it out here. I'm allergic. Is uh, it that cedar or what is it? It might be. Is this, it that bunny rabbit? I'm very allergic to that bunny rabbit. Oh, dang. <laughs> you just left it. You hopefully, let that. Hopefully my son did not have the bunny rabbit on the table. You let that critter into your life. And now I can't Sorry, man. stop sneezing. Yeah. Um, but then, so we, sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude. It's invading the podcast. Yeah, it's invading the podcast. It's taking over. <laughs> so then, uh, but we were all joking like, hey, the women actually need this more than the men because the women act like they're vulnerable and they're not. They're very surfacy. And I told, I'm going to have to go blow my nose. Go for it. Let's take a break. Okay. All right. We're back. Okay. Where were we? The women. The women. So, yeah, I was telling Lauren about it, and she's like, yeah, man, I would love to go to something like that, and I could use something like that. And we told her, like, or I told her, I said, yeah, we were kind of joking, like, women actually seem like they're more vulnerable, but they're actually not. Really? And and they're quite surfacy. And so, actually, we may end up doing one for women or a bunch for women at some, some point, too. That's cool, man. Yep. I think I'd like to get get to one of these. It's amazing. It's one of the best things. So all, you know, we started this with like, what's changed? What's different? I'm like, okay, I don't see that everywhere. I don't feel like there's that permission all the time to go, or not, or not permission, but almost like a requirement. Like, hey, your requirement to be a leader here is that you actually stay out of God's way. Mm-hmm. That was, that was beautiful. And it was wonderful. And it was freeing and it was scary. And at the same time, it was like, well, what else would we do? And, you know, somehow we made it through the weekend and then get in God's way. And he had, it was freaking rocked everybody. Is this like the first of one of these? Yeah. Well, they've done one before. So this was the second one. Who are these, who are these people? Um, it's a guy, his name's Jeremy Morris and some of his friends like, uh, Doc and Britton. It's just these guys. They're all cowboys. Yeah. These are like legit cowboys. They got half draft horses that are just monsters. I mean, yeah. monster horses that they do like cowboy stuff with. Like I first met them, we were on the top of a mountain in Wyoming with millions of acres of land and we would we were taking a a shooting school. So we're learning to shoot guns a thousand yards and hit a wolf at a thousand yards or a bear at a thousand yards or whatever. We're, we're learning to hunt up into a thousand yards. And then when we weren't shooting the guns, we're riding horses with these guys and going down and jumping in the river in our underwear, freaking on the side of a mountain in Wyoming. And yeah. so I meet these guys cause they're running the horses. And then I find out they have this ministry called Wild Courage that they do fires. Like, they sit around a fire and do this. They're like, hey, checking in on you. How's your heart? Some men don't share anything for a long time. And then they'll, on one day, they'll share. And wow. just They just love them, and they just meet men where they're at. It's amazing. So that's 
but Jeremy was an al- crazy alcoholic cowboy guy. Just his marriage is falling apart, and somewhere he started like trying to get healthy. And so he's got a pretty awesome story. He'd be a good one to bring on here. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to interview him. But like that's you know when you and I were talking, I said I said the story of like, well, we we went to we were there in this experience for hours a whole weekend but then for the last four hours was just incredible everyone's minds are just wrecked and then you know we go to church that night and we're kind of like whoa we we missed the mountain we missed this level of true vulnerability yeah let god do what he wants to do and it was amazing that's so cool man yeah, what, what you're talking about, and I can just feel it. Like I need to get to one. Yeah, I'm gonna. We're gonna do one in Texas. Yeah, and everyone I tell about it, they're like, "I want to go. I want to go." I'm like, "Okay, we will. We're gonna. We're gonna do it." All Let's, right. Well, count me in. Okay. Yep, that sounds great. It's good. It's one of the best things. I'm, I mean, I've seen a lot of ministry. This was deeply impacting to me. That's at cool. A level. I haven't had in a long time. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting to me, too, that you guys have that weekend, and then you go to church, and you're like, what's that sentiment? Like, you can describe that sentiment, but it sounds to me like you're like, what are we doing here? It felt, well, it's the nature of a large church. Like, you're just, it is, you can't go to that level. You can't go to that depth mm-hmm. in a service like that. I mean, potentially you can if God encounters you. Potentially you can personally with God. But you can't go there in a congregation. You can't go there with other people. Like, there's not space for it. There's not, you know, in a church it's designed, hey, we go to church and we listen to the pastor speak. This was, you come here to this retreat and you're talking. Mm-hmm. You're going to talk and you're going to share your story and you're safe to share your story and we're going to love you wherever you're at and you can tell us whatever you need to. And and most of it, most of it was stuff people had never told anyone in their lives and were planning to go to their grave. Like, well, you don't do that at church. These are like Christian people? Oh, yeah. A lot of These them. These people that have been Not to Not all of them. Some of them were just, like some of them were like Latter-day Saints, Mormons. There was mm-hmm. two Mormon guys that have just sat around the fire with these guys for months and decide, I'm going to go to that retreat. And they're yeah. getting wrecked by God. These are people that are clocked in a lot of hours at institutional churches, though. Yes, absolutely. And haven't had things like this happen. No. So this is kind of one of the questions that I want to, I don't know, answer, but discuss on this podcast is church. And that's part of the reason why it's called Where's Jesus is because that's what I'm trying to get at. Is Where's he at? Yeah. And... Because I've been through a number of different experiences with church, and I've been to Bethel back in the day when, you know, back in the day in Bethel, you like you show up, you miss a Sunday night service. Remember what that was like? Did you ever have to oh, miss yeah. a Sunday night service? Yeah. Sunday night service was the one that was longer. It was more like anything could happen. Yeah. And it was literally like you didn't know what was going to happen when you walked in the door. Yeah. If you miss a Sunday night service and you went to school, like the school of ministry, the next day or two days later or whenever it was, people would physically look different. Remember, yeah. do you, you know oh, what yeah, I'm talking about. Totally. And you would have to go find people and be like, what happened Sunday because i got to catch up because yeah. God showed up. Yeah, and I wasn't there. And that everybody's it. somewhere else now. Yeah. And and that's what it was like. So I've been, I've lived through years of that. And then I'm 
been in that same environment where that's not happening anymore. And where I'm now like, I'm just showing up every week to this church service. Everything is happening the same. And stuff is going on in my life that I know is for this body. And it's happening to people I know. But you're now going to a church where there's no environment for you to release what God's doing. And when you do that long enough, you get super bored. And plus, for me, like, church, like, if God's not there, like, church is just boring anyways, you know? Yeah. A lot of it's centered around, like, one guy getting up and speaking, whether he has anything to say or not. Yeah. He's just the guy that happens to run it, so he's supposed to be the one that has something to say, but a lot of times doesn't. And then there's this program that you're supposed to do where you know exactly what's going to happen. You stand up and you sit down and people tell you to give money and people tell you to clap and people tell you to cheer and you read something and all these different things. A lot of people like get life from ritual um, and a lot of people just don't. Yeah, A lot of people it becomes like just really rote and really just like, why am I doing it? Yeah. And honestly, I think a lot of people found that out in 2020 when they couldn't go to church anymore. Yeah. Oh, well, they could, but people believed the government when they said don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then and then they realized, like, wait a minute, I don't need it. And a lot of people haven't gone back. Yeah. But I was way ahead of that curve. <laughs> yeah. And so this has been a journey that I've been on for 10, no, it's longer than that. I've probably been on this journey for 12 years. Wow. Of, like, what do I do now that I don't want to go to church? And for the longest time, I was searching for what it is and if you get if you start talking that way to enough people there's one thing that always comes up and uh you get around the right people you know or anyone everyone has this idea and it's this concept of home church like well it's gonna be home church you know like well we don't go to church anymore we have we do church at home and for me it was never like i never felt i've I've done this been to a couple of those and i've never felt like I mean, this doesn't really help. This doesn't really help. Yeah. This is just the same thing in a smaller context with, you know, awkward people who are disenfranchised from institutional church. And uh, I'm like, I don't want to start like a lesser church in reaction to a another institution that this is just a smaller institution that just doesn't know what it's doing yet. Yeah. So now, now we're just like, people are trying to figure out their rules for that institution without supposedly having rules. Yeah. And it can just get awkward. And yes. it's, not, it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I realized, like, oh, I don't need home church. And for a lot of years, I just didn't go to church. But I'll be honest with you, I felt guilt about that forever. Yeah. There's something ingrained in you, and there's something that institutional church produces, which um, it, like, like just bangs into you, like into your brain, like uh, you have to do this. Yeah. You know, like if you don't do this, you might not be a Christian. If you don't do this, you're slipping away from God. Yeah. And so we all have that. And we have this thing where we connect with a new Christian or a Christian that you just meet. And you're like, what do do you go to church? And like it or not, whether you realize that you're not, the majority of us, maybe there's, maybe there's exceptions to this. I thought I was the exception for a lot of years, but then I realized I wasn't. Is they say it and you put them into this like place in your mind, and you put them in a box, and you're like, "Oh, you're Baptist." Yeah. Oh, for me, it's like I'm a renewal guy. So in my mind, I'm like, 
well, I know how to prophesy. I've seen people healed. Like, I'm going to go to bed tonight and lay in my bed. I'm going to feel the presence of God. I'm going to encounter God on my body. And you start to, like, elevate yourself in your own mind because of what God's doing in your life. Yeah. And you're like, I'm so glad I'm not in that. I'm so glad I'm not where I was when I was a kid in the church I grew up in. Even though I love, I mean, that church, so much good fruit in my life from yeah. that church. I love all those people. And I am glad I'm not at that place. But you can get it in your mind where you start to think of yourself differently as other people. And all that this, all that's really happening is suddenly we're like compartmentalizing each other yeah. and being like, you're one of them, I'm one of them. And suddenly the body of Christ is like split all over the place, surrounding groups of people that are creating these little pockets of, you know, stuff that's just like creating more and more of what we call church all the time. And I was sick of it, and I still am, and I have been for a number of years. Yeah. And so I've been trying to figure out, like, what? If not that, then what? And um, I finally figured out the answer to that, and that is nothing is replacing that. And that is what it is. We're not getting anything different. God's not doing a new church. He's not going to do, like, a new style of church. In fact, he doesn't care, I think, about style of church. Not that you don't have to do it or you can't do it. Like, do it. You know, like, go, go do what you want to do. Like, if, I, if I'm hungry, I'm going to go get a burger. Yeah. I'm going to go to a different style of burger. I don't get whatever kind of burger I want. Yeah. I'm not going to sit over here and say, don't do that style of a burger. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that'd be crazy to be judging people about whatever. But I just don't think that there's like this new thing that God's going to do that's going to be great, that's going to give us like a new container for what he's doing. I don't think that's what it is. I think we're chasing and we're, we have him, but we're after a man and his name is Jesus and he lives in us. And he said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to build something whose builder and maker is God. And he says in the Bible, like your ways are not my ways and my ways are different than your ways. And I think differently than you do. And we get caught up in that and we think like, oh, he's talking about like sin or whatever, you know, yeah. like sure he's talking about sin. Like yeah. as we, we yeah. always like to be That's not sinning, you know, yeah. <laughs> Christians are big at not sinning, even though we sin all the time. And, um, but actually you don't have to. Yeah. And you can stop just disclaimer. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, he's doing something that's totally different and he says, I, you know, talks about the body of Christ and there's one head and that's Jesus and he calls himself the good pastor like he's the pastor and Paul writes to Timothy and says make sure you don't have anyone who's a teacher over you because you go to direct to God and I think what God actually wants is a church not churches and I again I don't care about churches like have them or not go or not do what you want but we don't need churches we need a church which is a body of christ and the pastor is a good pastor and he's all of our pastor and we go straight to him and we're instantly connected so i started thinking this way and it changed my life and i read this book called finding church um i got who i'm going to interview two down the road wayne jacobson and it just like blew my mind because it was all these questions that i'd had for so long and he he had actually walked through it before me and had the answers and the answer was church is literally just connecting with people that love God. And so once you realize, once, and for me, I'll speak from experience, once I realized 
Like, I'm not going to check a box of having church or taking a verse that says, those of us that are Christians are going to recognize this, do not forsake the assembly together. There's a verse that says something like that. Yeah. Don't, don't forsake the gathering together. And I'm going to take one little verse and I'm going to put it on these different churches, and I call them institutional church to, so as not to confuse with the church, which is church, which is what you and I are doing right now. Yep. We're having church. Yep. And, um, uh, but I don't care. We, you know, it's a church. You go to a church or we're having it now. I don't really care. It's just to draw a distinction. But I'm not going to get, I'm not going to check off my church, church box by attending a service. Yeah. <laughs> like God doesn't need you to attend a thing and then be like, okay, I'm a Christian. I'm doing my thing. I'm going to my service or whatever. Like God wants people that are overflowing with love. And so they encounter other people, whether these people are believers or not. It's another weird thing Christians do is we make a distinction between believers and unbelievers. And we start to categorize ourselves as like, he's an unbeliever. And that's just a way for me to think differently about them, to try and get them into my way of viewing life so that I can convert them. Whereas if you just love people, then uh, there's you know, like God's coming out of you, you yeah. know, yeah. And so that's just like that's like a, a thing that God's taught me about. It's like why are you why are you categorizing everywhere? But <clears throat> at any rate, um, back to this concept of church, like like um, it's just something that happens when you love Jesus. So when I finally got this thing out of my mind, I'd been not going to church for years, probably ten years. Wow. And but feeling bad about it, like should I be going? Should I not? And when I finally realized, like, no, church is what happens when people get together and love God, things started shifting for me in my conversations where I started seeing it happen all the time. People that I would had hung around for years or, you know, would always hang out with, and we wouldn't really talk about God that much. It just didn't come up. Yeah. And it was started coming up because I was looking for it everywhere. Wow. And that is a lot of the reason why I started this podcast is because I realized like I am having this church experience every week with different people and in different places in different places. And I'm getting so encouraged by God because I've stopped thinking that I am checking some box by going to a service. And I started looking for where's God moving every day in my life. Yeah. And, um, and with who? And with who? And I found out he's doing so much all over the place with so many people. And we are supposed to be that. We are supposed to be the church. And when, when I finally got that in my head and I realized, like, I don't got to do anything. I don't got to go anywhere. I can just be who I am, do what I want. I can actually go do what I want which I found a lot of what I wanted was to hang out with people and eat food. Yeah. You know, drink some whiskey, play cards. Have some ice cream. Have some ice cream. Have fun. Go out there and have fun. And I started seeing God happening all over those times where yeah. I'm going deeper with people. I'm more encouraged. And then I don't have to sit sit somewhere and have someone share something that is like triggering this guilt about me about how to build this institution bigger which is not what I'm called to. You know, when it comes to ministry, there's a few things God's put in my heart, but building uh, big institutions is not it. Um, unless it's some sort of an institution that helps uh, people adopt 
unadoptable kids, like kids yeah. that aren't going to be adopted. Yeah, wow. I'll go. I'll go for that. I'll probably build something like that in the years to come. But yeah, but it's not going to be like some what, what we think of as a church. All right, I'm talking. I've talked a long time. So I like it. What do you think? The, what do you um, What do you have to say? Yeah, I was thinking about it earlier today. You know, I think it's interesting that you put where's Jesus, and he kind of looks like Waldo. Yeah, like in America, it's Waldo. Other countries, Wally. Wally, yeah, you know, like the Australians. Like, yeah. And so I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, you know, in those books, Wally's on every page. He's there. Waldo's on every page. Yeah. He is hiding. He's there. And it's our job to find him. And I think, I think, you know, so I've thought about this a lot too. You know, I worked at a, I worked at Bethel, like a large church, a mega church, 10,000 people on a weekend. And, you know, I, I think we had a lot of people get disenfranchised when the cameras showed up because people started um, acting differently. Like, oh, you yep. you don't feel free, and so I've I've had to wrestle through. And it a became lot of a this. more controlled environment but, with that. Yeah, and I I've wrestled with all this, but at the same time, so I I have varying perspectives on it because when I, when that stuff started happening, there was a lot of people coming to me going like, you know what. Jesus, like, where's the, this is a mega church. Where's the disciples? Where's the 12? Where's the three? And I'm going, yeah, you know, yes, Jesus had the three. He had the 12. He had the 70. And then he had multitudes. So when I look at, like, Jesus, what's Jesus doing? Where's Jesus? What's he up to? I'm like, he was in all of it. Mm-hmm. He was in all of it. So he's got the 5,000 men plus women plus children. He's passing out lunch to everybody. He's probably not interacting personally with every single person. He is literally passing out food. He's teaching and then passing out food. And I'm like, okay, so there's an element to Jesus' ministry that is mega church type stuff. And it's the three that aren't that no one else gets to be included in no one else is involved so i think what's happened a lot is like oh we've seen a lot of the mega churches and so people get stuff happens and people are like i don't i missed i need the three like yes you need the three but then you got a lot of people that they go into the home church like okay you got the three but if you don't have the multitude somewhere potentially you're haven't found Jesus fully in in that like Jesus in the expression of the 5000 plus men 5000 men plus women plus three. he's he's in the 15000 people group he's also in the group of 3 he's you know Paul said my speech and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but in demonstration of the holy spirit and power like speech and preaching are like hey my individual conversations with a few people and my preaching me talking to a lot of people are not with wise and persuasive words, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. So today I was just thinking about it. I'm like, wow, I do think Jesus is hiding in institutional church, mm-hmm. and he's on that page. I think he's on that page, and I think it's he's hard to find sometimes. He's really hard to find a <laughs> lot of times. Yeah. But I think he's still there. I think he's still in there, and I think we, we got to get better at looking for him. You know how like sometimes you're like, screw this page. I'm going to turn the page and go to the next one and find him. I'm going to find him on the next page. Yeah. And like, but at the same time, we have this desire to go, I got to go back and find him on that page. Otherwise, I don't finish the book. Like, I'm, I didn't actually find him. So I, mm-hmm. I think I think what's happened for a lot of people is like, oh, yeah, I stopped finding him there. So I need to go look for him on other pages. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, like, I think he's still there. Like, you were saying, like, hey, we're not, if you want to go, go. 
Yeah. If you're going to find, I think people can still find Jesus there. Some of my most powerful stuff happened in a massive church. Yeah. With other people. I, I do think too, like I had to wrestle through some of this with like the cameras because, you know, people are like, oh, the cameras came in and everything changed. I'm like, yes, yes, but that's like saying Jesus didn't have people watching his every move and talking about his every move. And, you know, he had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John writing everything down they possibly could. Now they weren't writing it live. They were writing it later. Yeah. But it's like he had a media team keeping track of everything, and we're so glad that we get to read 2,000-year-old media that Jesus collected on himself or had collected on him. And so I I don't know. I have these, I have these varying opinions of it and thoughts on it because I'm like, yes. I think a lot of institutional church people cannot get what they need from God in that setting, and I think other people can. Or there's a, there's times for people to go in and go, oh, I I just got whacked by God, and this and there's 500 people in the room. I just got whacked by God, and people are okay with it. Mm-hmm. That's that's amazing. And then there's times where like you you need your three. You need to go have a small group, mm-hmm. not maybe not a small group or a home church, but like be with people and just love people and overflow with God. And so I don't know. I've wrestled with it over and over because I hear everything you're saying and I'm mm-hmm. with you. I'm fully with you. And at the same time, I'm like, oh, I think he's still there. I think he's still there. We just gotta find him if yeah. if we're there. If you turn to that page, your job is to look for where's Jesus. If you turn to the smaller group or no church at all and being with people, like, I think your job is find Jesus. Like, where's Jesus? He might be here, and I just don't see him yet. And so I don't know. I've just been thinking about it a lot. Today I drove for five hours. So I was thinking about it all and going like, oh, yeah, Waldo's there. Waldo's somewhere here. Yeah, I gotta look for him. I gotta find him. I think as as Christians, though, we t- we have this tendency, and I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying. But we have this tendency to do this like kind of either or fallacy. Yeah, and it it comes down to the knowledge of uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, the Lord's like eat of anything except this Don't one tree that, that yeah. wasn't good or evil. It wasn't yeah. good. It wasn't evil. Yeah, it was the knowledge of it. Yeah, and so. As soon as I start talking with people about church and what church is, some people get, like, afraid instantly. Like, what? So you don't believe in churches anymore? I'm like, first of all, no, I don't believe in churches. I believe in Jesus. Yeah. But there's a lot of great Jesus people doing those churches. Yeah. And doing what God's called them to do. And and um, um, I think there's an element of that, and there's an element of people just, like, building a business and getting paid. Yes. You know? Yes. I'm— I make ice cream and I sell joy yeah, for a living yeah. and people come and I serve them an ice cream. And why would I go to a church and say like this business, this is a business and it shouldn't be. I'm like, what? Like I sell ice cream to people, yeah. you know, which is joyful, but it can be unhealthy if people eat too much of it. If that's yeah. all they're putting into their body. Yeah. You know, I'm like, you, you you're here like too. serving like, love up and compassion and these different things that people get and they get other stuff too, but from churches, but like, who am I to say like, this is not a good business. You shouldn't be doing it. Like I'd have to be a certain kind of judgmental, you know, to be like, this is bad. Yeah. I have to be like feasting at that tree of good and yeah. evil. Cause then I'd walk into a church and have to decide, is it good or evil? Wow. Uh, yeah. Heavy, huh? Like yeah. 
how many times have we done that? Um, yeah, I, I got that. I was walking to this church in San Luis Obispo and in California, and um, I walked in. Everyone was super nice, and some friends of ours had invited us. People were super nice, and instantly I was like, this is crazy group of people. They're so friendly. And then I caught on to it, and in like 20 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe like 5 10 minutes, and people were like asking me, hey, who brought you? And I, and I put all the pieces together. And it was like a church where you're supposed to bring people and you get credit for bringing people within their structure. Yeah. And then those people are like assigned to that person. It was like a multi-level marketing style of yeah. church. Wow. And um, the Lord, because I started putting all the pieces together and I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun, but kind of creepy. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He's like, I did not need you to decide if this is good wow. or not. I'm like, you can just be here and enjoy this. Wow. And I was like, Yes, that's perfect. Yeah. Because I do not want to have to make that decision right yeah, now. Too much pressure. But we get in this paradox of like this dichotomy of either this is good or this is bad. And that is what it is. It's just feasting at that tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is the one thing from the beginning, your original sin. God said, please eat of the tree of life, which is clearly Jesus. Like he is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. He is the resurrection and the life. But don't eat at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is much more closer Kill to religion. You. Yeah. Just like trying to decide is this good or bad all the time and yeah. then trying to figure out are other people doing a good or a bad thing all the time. Wow. And just get caught up in it. So when you start talking about church, people automatically go to that and they want to defend their church and their lifestyle and their yeah. pastor and this person that ministered. Oh, but oh but um but this church really changed my life. Like when I was a kid, like church is what kept me off drugs all these stories that are true. I'm like a hundred percent. Yeah. We don't have to think about good or bad. Yeah. We don't have to think about, you know, is this the right thing or is this the wrong thing? Um, so I agree with you on that. And the hard part is for people who get really hurt. Cause the, I think the, probably the biggest problem about one of the biggest problems I see about churches, I'm not, I don't want to be, I don't want to say I know everything, but one of the, one of the issues that I see is that, it is pitched to you as though, like, this is kingdom. Like, if you want to be in this group of people that are doing this thing called kingdom or living for Jesus, then you attend this church and you do these certain things to help that organization grow. Yeah. Which I think is BS because um, maybe God's calling you to do that. Maybe he's calling you to do something different. Maybe he wants you to start doing something else. Maybe he doesn't want you to do anything right then. Yeah. So just because one person or a group of people have a vision doesn't mean that everyone else who ascribes to faith now builds their vision. Yeah. It's like, yeah, go serve them. Um, if that's what's in your heart, and if you love this organization, go build it with them. Yeah. But you're not obligated. And so that's the thing that I think was kind of mind-blowing for me. It just actually just brought me a lot of peace. It's like, whoa, I'm no longer obligated to find somewhere to be a part of. I can actually just belong to Jesus and I can be like a follower of Christ. And that is the church. Yeah. And then wherever you find connection, relationship, that's it. So, but the pitfall, and I've been guilty of this and I'm not anymore, but the pitfall is getting hurt yeah. in the establishment and committing yourself to something because you think that's it. And then you realize it's an institution Yeah. and you're like, whoa, I just gave, this much of my life and energy and time to this thing because I believed in it. Yeah. But I had that organization in the God spot. Yeah. And so a lot of churches are actually pitched that way because they're a business that needs money. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people don't know it. Like the pitfall of many pastors, I believe, is they don't, 
they know that it's a business. They know that they have to make ends meet, but they don't really necessarily realize how much they're paying. And these are people with good hearts. There's, a, there's ones with bad hearts that are just making money. Yeah. You know, I've never probably met any, but they're out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the pitfall is they don't actually know that they're selling you the kingdom to build their church. They're just trying to make it work. Yeah. And so all these people think that they're in on it, and then they realize this is an institution and business. And when they start to, like, waver, if it's a real popular church like a Bethel or somewhere, there's a long line of people that want their job and their position. Yeah. So all of a sudden they thought they had this significance in this family, but that was just a job. And someone else comes and replaces them, and they're like, whoa, what just happened? How did I suddenly get out of this thing when I thought that— but really just that organization needed them to work. And yeah. so that organization fosters relationship with them through different people. And and, and the, this is a, a story that a lot of people have probably experienced out there. Yeah. And I did. And um, so you give too much yourself and you get the church in your God spot. And when that all comes crashing down, you get hurt. Um, you get you hit burnout. Yeah. Um, you start to feel like bitterness and anger. Yeah. And then it just comes out, yeah. you know, and that's where people fall into this thing of like, God's, God's out of there. Like he's not in there anymore. And just like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably just like super hurt right now and super yeah. bitter and you can't see it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, there's definitely that. One of the things I thought one time a f couple years back was like, we've got to be careful not to replace the gospel of the kingdom with the the importance of church not that not that yeah it was almost like that i had seen that happening some places where it's like oh you're preaching church and calling it the gospel of the kingdom right. not preaching the gospel of the kingdom and the church is a place where you learn and grow and get equipped to go and spread the gospel of the kingdom or be just be in the gospel the kingdom and I, yeah, I think there's a lot of places that that's, that's what accidentally comes across because yeah. they're trying to make ends meet or figure stuff out. It's like, oh, we preach the importance of church at the expense of the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. And that's, we want it to be the importance of church as an expression of the gospel of the kingdom, not as a replacement to it. Yeah. And, and, the, and then that, it gets people in a weird headspace. Yeah. Because they, they start they to believe the that. They start God's to believe that yeah. stuff. The church is in their God spot, mm -hmm. and that's not a good, nothing, it's not good to have anything there. No. Not a spouse, not a church. But it'd be hard to get up there as a pastor and, and be like, hey, you do not need to come here to follow Christ. Yeah. Never heard that from the pulpit. No. Um, in fact, it, a lot of times it's the opposite. Yes. And it's undertones mostly, but you get it. You get it, and you get this message, and you like, people start to get nervous when you say something like, yeah, we don't go to church anymore. People get nervous. Yeah. They're like, oh, are they still in the club? Yeah. This club called Christian. Are they falling into sin? And people start to warn you, like, oh, I've met people that have done that, and then they just fell away. And I'm like, yeah, people fall away for millions of reasons. Yeah. I've been close to that cliff myself. Like, I've walked up to the edge and yeah. looked over and decided I want to know piece of it. But, yeah. but people will do... Oh, what they can. I think ultimately, like, once you realize, like, this is about him. Like, I can be a follower of Christ. And then that, then that's like, that's it. Now I know I'm in. Yeah. 
and then it makes it all starts to make sense. Yeah. But I agree with what you're sharing about where God's going to where you're going to find him different yeah. contexts and yeah. and it's hard it's hard when you go when you really believe in a in a situation where God's showing up in a, in a great way and then that situation starts to change and it gets bigger. And it's so hard because you wanted it to stay like it was but grow in that respect. Yeah. You wanted it to be like let's keep it where it's should God showing up like this all the time. Yeah. And let's continue to foster that because I know that we can go down that path. Yeah. And we can go further. And we could. But it went another direction because it had different leadership and they wanted to go somewhere. And at a certain point you have to realize like, all right, that's doing its thing and they're doing their thing. And I'm not I'm not gonna be there all the time. Yeah. Anymore. Um and it's hard because you have to lay down your expectation for it. Yeah. And that's hard to do, and a lot of people will do it and get kind of get kind of like this heart, like a, like this sickness, you know, like a mind sickness where it, where it um, starts to infiltrate your your way of thinking, and then yeah. suddenly all that comes out of your mouth is like like negativity. Not good. Yeah. If you talk to me about this topic yeah. in two thousand, I don't even know what year, ten years ago, twelve years ago, whatever. It had been a way different conversation. In fact, a buddy of mine uh, talked to me one day, and he's like, hey, Ben, just so you know, like, this is not a good look on you. Yeah. What's coming out of your mouth all the time, like this anger and all this sort of stuff, which is nothing wrong with anger, but when it's, like, influencing you so much that you, you, you can't, like, be, like, the love isn't flowing out anymore, you don't wow. see it anymore. You know, you got to process that anger and figure out why. I don't think anger is a negative emotion. I think it's just something that happens. But when you're just stuck in a cycle yeah. and you can't you can't find that love anymore, um, yeah, my buddy was like, yeah, this is not a good not look good. on you. Yeah. And it, when he said that, I was like, shoot, because like, I knew he was right and it just hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when someone's so right and they yeah. say something, you're like, damn. Damn. Oh. I know you're right. And that hurts. And now i got to figure it out. Figure yeah. Out how to how to get get back to that normal like i feel it yeah i'm flowing yeah but yeah man i think that's a good place to end it we kind of came full circle there and um appreciate you sharing and um just excited to excited to to really to to hear more about what happens with that group thing you're doing that sounds like a blast to get out there and it's you know it's one of the best things i've ever seen yeah, you told me about it earlier, and I thought I thought um, maybe I'll maybe I'd like to do it, but now I'm, now I feel like all right, I'm I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. So write write me down, put me in the, put me on the list. Okay, whatever I got to do to get there, I'll get there. Okay, <laughs> I'll do it. All right, man. Thank you, Seth. All yes, love thank you, man. You, love you. Where's Jesus? Where's he at? Let's find him. All right, bud. All right. It's a beautiful day.